everybody. Welcome to Frame Trap. Today I am joined by Daniel Bloodworth. Yo. And Brad Ellis. Hello. Uh, I will be your host, Ben Moore. Um, and the opening bit I'm going to do for this episode is the opening bit I was going to do for last episode, but we ended up talking about horror movies, I think, mm-hmm. for like 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is, what is a hobby that you want to do, but you don't have time for? <laughs> hmm. Hobby I want to do? Uh, I guess I want to start getting back into music more. Oh, I don't really sure. play. Yeah. I haven't really played a lot in a long time. Yeah. And I kind of miss it. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, for sure. That one. That's a big one for me, too. Good pick. Uh, yeah, I haven't really done any kind of drawing or art stuff for uh, a good decade or more know, at this point. I didn't know you that know? you drew. That's... Dude, do you remember his, like, I mean, I, the Mega yeah, Man stuff? Yeah, yeah, I remember <laughs> that, but I thought that was, like, you know, just school days and stuff, so... See what he's like now. Let's yeah. see some blood art now. Yeah, I what mean, kind of now stuff it did probably you... would not be any, any good. I don't even... Yeah, I mean, I would, I would draw some weird stuff, but... Um, That's cool. Witchers? No, I haven't drawn any draw witcher, witcher stuff. Witcher, dude. <laughs> uh, when I was... Uh, the last year in school, I had both, like, a traditional art class as well as yeah uh graphics computer graphics is what they called it where you're basically learning like photoshop and illustrator and stuff yeah first year they'd offered that uh and so it was cool because i was like able to actually find like a synergy between them like i would draw something in our class mm-hmm. and then i would take it to my computer graphics class like scan it in and then like start adding colors and effects and stuff to it and, that's awesome uh, yeah yeah i uh I know enough Photoshop to make a YouTube thumbnails, but I really wish I was more mm. skilled in it because that that can take you quite a far. Yeah, I mean, me, me too. Like, yeah. even though I do it like constantly, it's, yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because I learned, you know, Photoshop back in the like yeah ninety seven ninety eight right. Mm. <laughs> Damn. And then didn't, I didn't even know Photoshop was. I was like, oh my god. In ninety seven, I guess. Yeah, and then didn't use it for. You know, close to 20 years mm-hmm. and then had to start using it like every day. <laughs> so, all the yeah. features and stuff, sometimes I would just find things like, what is this? I don't know. Yeah. But even back then, um, you know, kind of one of my things with Photoshop is just like, if I know what I'm going for, I can make it, I can make it happen. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, you know, it's like one of those things, it's all about like inspiration or direction or whatever. Right. It's like, if it, you know, I might not know the best way to do it, but. I can at least play around with things until I can get there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. um, It's funny that I ask this question now because I feel like I've been trying to make more time for stuff that aren't video games, and it's like the first time in my life that I've done that. But something I still haven't followed through on that I would love to do is I'd love to just have like a little garden, just Mm. like because I I enjoy cooking stuff. So it'd be nice to grow like you know fresh tomatoes, that sort of thing, um, and then just put that right in the dish. I don't, there's something yeah. about that idea that's super appealing. Yeah, our neighbors plant stuff in the little planters in the courtyard, and so there's yeah. Like, yeah, tomatoes and like bell peppers and stuff like that just growing out there, like fresh herbs. And yeah, man. It sounds awesome. And it can't be that hard, right? I don't know. Yeah. Just yeah. take some love yeah, and care. Uh, but time to get into the video games. I, I think the best one to start out with, um, and sadly, I really can't give my own impressions because I haven't dug into it yet. Um, I still need to finish the first game, but Brad, you reviewed uh, Neo, The mm. World Ends With You. Oh, nice. Which I is sure a did. very Nomura 
title. Maybe not like his most crazy, but just creative director art on this one. I, I still, man, I can I can feel it. Oh know? yeah, like, it's oh just, yeah, like, for it, sure. It emanates from. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, near the world ends with you. A sequel to uh, an original DS game that kind of feels like it came out of nowhere. Kind of, kind of like yeah. A, they're, they're resurrecting it uh, in a big way. I know they did the re-releases on mobile and Switch, but mm-hmm. a full proper sequel is finally here. You know, And the first question is, does it live up to expectations? Yes. For me, it absolutely did. And, well, it's hard to talk about, I guess, because a lot of the, the most important aspect of this game to me is the story. Yeah. And I feel like it did live up to As a, a longtime fan, I was very satisfied with the yeah. story. I don't want to mm. talk about it at all. Yeah, yeah. Speaking, speaking of the story, like it had probably been so long since you played World Ends mm-hmm. with You. Was it hard? I did like, a recap. Com- okay, okay. I did a recap. So you did some you did some research ahead of time. You played the Switch though, right? I didn't beat it all though. I just oh, tested yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so when you say the story kind of lives up to expectations, because I feel like you know World Ends with You, obviously very beloved by mm-hmm. people that played the original game, but. Probably also something that not a lot of people know about. So mm-hmm. set us up here. Like, what what is it about the story that's appealing? What's going on in this world? What's going on well, in general? So the whole game is essentially about these people that get stuck in a life-or-death game where essentially they, have, they play a game for a week, and if you're the bottom team, you get erased, deleted, mm-hmm. killed, whatever, however you want to look at it. And so this game picks up with a new group of characters, not the characters from the first game. Yeah. Brand new characters. So if you not play the first game, you can hop into this and still have a good time, but you will miss out on some stuff. So it's pretty much these characters going through day by day, competing against other teams, trying to survive this game. Yeah. And it's all, of course, set in a very beautiful, stylish setting of Shibuya Tokyo. Right. Which is like, it's... It's more in games more now than it used to be. I'd say like the DS days, especially because of P five. Yeah, like mm-hmm. being set in Tokyo, very much that style. But it's still a very unique style that captures the culture of that and like a lot of great restaurants. Like I thought of you a couple times. There's some nice ramen places there. <laughs> nice, dude. And I was like, oh, Ben would tell you about this. Yeah, I think uh, the atmosphere of the original game is a huge part of it, and there's there's a lot to dig into there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to wonder, and this is just. I just thought of this as we were having this conversation. I feel like kind of in the anime and manga world, the whole like sort of battle royale, mm-hmm. like if you lose, you die sort mm-hmm. of theme uh, is very popular right now. Mm-hmm. Like just that kind of edginess. And so I wonder if if maybe that kind of coming back Shh. up in popular culture uh, sure. had anything to do with this. Uh, that's a good question. I, I actually am just do wonder that. Yeah. Total about it. spitballing. Yeah, yeah, could be. No idea. Um, but when I think of the original game, something I think of is like the music mm-hmm. and, and and the art style mm-hmm. really is incredible as well. How is the does the music kind of match or yep. exceed your expectations? Yep, it's great. Uh, is it very similar to? The um, there's some different tracks on there. Where I was like, whoa, nice. Okay. There was like some pretty heavy tracks on there. I was like, like oh shit. You're saying like. Blast beats like heavy no, metal? no. Okay. I mean, there's like heavy like metal stuff, but I okay. wouldn't say like we're not going like black metal or anything like Dude, that. Hell yeah, <laughs> that's sick. Um, so when you when you have so much time between sequels, I think Kingdom Hearts three kind of mm-hmm. uh, suffered this as well, and I don't think 
Neo the World Ends With You is it has quite the same expectation on it as Kingdom Hearts right. 3. But um, when you say the story really kind of succeeded for you, mm-hmm. uh, how can, like, articulate that for me? Like, how, how did it meet your expectations? Like, was it just definitive in its conclusion or were the characters just the characters it's a game about like kingdom arts a game about characters Mm -hmm. and about whole their arcs is growing as characters which i think is really satisfying of course the 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 premise is maybe not the most original thing Mm -hmm. but it's about the characters and the moments they go through that really Mm -hmm. sells it yeah because i think you know even though i haven't played the original since i reviewed it like the thing that you know, kind of st- why it, it seems like a surprise is that that felt like a standalone story, right? Mm-hmm. You talk about Kingdom Hearts three, like there's there was people waiting, yep. right. to finish the story. Whereas with World Ends with You, it's like we got Neku's story and it wrapped up and was good and it was well. Done. They added the and stuff then, yeah, in the Switch version, the stuff in the Switch version that's set up for a sequel, <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, a big part of kind of the the appeal of the world ends with you mm-hmm. is just how distinct and wild its combat system was you know controlling two people right. at the same time um and having played the switch version which kind of just totally controls like ass in mm-hmm. my vague memory Oof. of it yeah it was not good mm-hmm. um, i haven't played the mobile version but the switch version was just kind of I felt like I was fighting it pretty consistently. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard that the touch controls are better, which I did not mess with. Uh, I was using Joy-Cons. But, um, well, that's what the first game was a lot of times. Right, yes. Uh, but here, you know, obviously they're developing this with console in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, walk me through the battle system. Is it very similar to the first game? So the original game on the DS was touchscreen and like the d-pad mm-hmm. so it was two screens on one yeah that very chaotic feeling but it, a steep learning curve but satisfying once you got it this time around everyone's on the screen of course or one screen now because there's no dual screen but every character is equipped with a badge which is essentially an attack or an ability mm-hmm. and they're all bound to a face button mm. So you think of you know like your Valkyrie profiles or something like that. You push square, one character attacks. You push triangle, different character. It's actually making me think of uh, Scarlet Nexus. Yeah, sure, yeah, something like that. Yeah, but like way more quick than that. Like Mm -hmm. you can just switch. You could have characters attack at the same time if you push both buttons at the same time, or switch them in and out. It's about building up this. um, I guess essentially is the combat isn't super deep, and that's kind of a problem I had with it. But it's really fast and still fun to do. Mm. But essentially, you're spamming these attacks on guys and. The whole goal, or one of the main things you want to do, is build up this meter, which is essentially your ult. And you do this by attacking a certain character, and like a blue circle will come up. Mm-hmm. Then you switch with the character hit with a different character, and it'll build up your meter. You build it up, essentially unleash a super attack. So that's kind of like the whole flow of combat. Um, so when you have to switch between these characters, is the like timing window pretty tight for you to do that successfully? To, to do that, yeah, you have like a couple seconds maybe okay. to land that. But... This game, you're gonna be switching characters a lot because, yes, these characters have certain attacks, but they only have a certain amount. Mm-hmm. So you burn down their bar pretty quickly, and it goes on a cooldown timer. So you're gotcha. constantly switching characters. You're constantly thinking about whose things are up and who can I switch out to in this moment. Mm. So you said, um, kind of one of your problems was the combat and, mm-hmm. and maybe the lack of depth. Mm-hmm. Are, do you do you feel like it just doesn't really change enough throughout the game or that it doesn't challenge you enough? I think it changes a decent amount, like when you start getting more party members and a few more things, but it never was really where I was deeply like engaged in the sense of 
thinking about my next move, I guess. it's re- The game emphasizes, I'd say, speed mm-hmm. over tacticals or tactics. Yes, there's some moments where you could think, but it's very much just about do-do-do-do-do, get this damage out real quick, switch yeah. characters, stuff like that. But the combats you, or the encounters usually aren't too long, mm. so I didn't get, Very like, important. So I wasn't, like, feel like it was dragging on. But there's a lot of combat in this game, a lot. Yeah, and, and maybe this, there's no way to really work this in with the style of combat of this game, but, you know, a lot of contemporary JRPGs mm-hmm. allow you to kind of fast forward mm-hmm. or, you know, instant win if you're super powerful. Is there anything that will... There's no, like, speed up thing. You can, like, avoid combat pretty easily if you want. Okay. Uh, there's also difficulty options you can unlock. Mm-hmm. To, like, you can make it easier if you want, but if you... Can you cre- change that anytime, yep, anytime you want? You you can down level if you want also to mm. so oh right if you increase the difficulty i believe it increases the badge drop rate which is essentially your abilities like you collect uh pins throughout mm. the game those are all your abilities thing like a yeah. pen you put on a jacket that's all your abilities right that'll increase i think the drop rate or the value of the pins and doing your level does like the same thing or one or the other i yeah. can't remember which which is which but essentially you're rewarded if you d- put your lower level and harder difficulty but if you just want to get through the game you just put it on easy Gotcha. Um, so you said you were, you know, the biggest thing you were looking for in this game was was the story. Um, it wasn't when I started. Oh, okay. Because it had been so long since I properly played through the game. Sure. What I was really curious about this time when I was the combat, just because it wasn't dual screen anymore. Yeah. But as I started playing, I started, like, getting really uh, enthralled by the story. I was like, oh, yeah. man, this is really good. Like, I forgot how much I really like these sure. this universe and these characters. Yeah. Um, you know, now that, now that the sequel is here and you've played through it, mm-hmm. uh, is this something that you feel like could really break out and find a lot more success than the original game? Is it something where I, you want more sequels? Yeah. Or? I mean, I, I want more. I think this has a better chance than ever. I guess it's on more platforms than ever. Yeah. Like right. it's on PS4, it's on Switch. I think it's coming to PC or it's coming to PC later at some point. Yeah, it's supposedly yeah. summer. Yeah. How long that's there was an anime about, yeah. of the first game also right. now. So it seems like they're putting a little more effort, I guess, into the series. Not that they didn't before, but it seems like they're highlighting it more than they used to. Mm-hmm. So I mean they've been in Kingdom Hearts, the characters, some of them from the first game. So right. I'm hoping they do more. Yeah, Neku is was it Neku in Dream Drop yep. Distance? Yep. Okay, the, but they weren't in any other ones. No, I they're only think. in they're only yeah, in Dream Drop. Drop. Drop, yeah. But there's yeah, there's a bunch of characters besides Neku in there. Right, right, right. Um, Blood, as somebody who reviewed the first game, you know, and it's been so long since you've explored it. Yeah. Uh, kind of like what's what's your take on this, or what is something that, if you had the opportunity to dive in, you would be looking for? Um. Yeah, well, I'm I'm curious what Brad's saying about the story for sure, but yeah. but yeah, the music was one of the big mm-hmm. biggest things for me. Yes. You know, I th- I think that's primarily one of the things that drove me to that. I might have even gotten the soundtrack before it came out in the U.S. I can't remember for sure hmm. because there was almost like a year between the Japanese and right. U.S. releases for the first game. How much How much is something like that at that time? You know, to to import a soundtrack like that because you have a lot of experience. Oh with that. yeah, I mean they're they're generally like thirty ish. Dollars thirty to forty something. That's really yeah. too bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't remember for sure whether I got that on a disc or if I got that through uh, download or whatever. But mm-hmm. anyways, but yeah, I really really enjoyed that soundtrack, and it's you know because it's 
it's not like any other Square Enix right. soundtracks. Like, yeah. right. It's all like, mm-hmm. you know, hip hop, rock, yeah. R&B yeah. and rock stuff and just, you know. Tons of stuff, yeah. It's like a lot of just like record scratching kind of things going on and. Right. Just you know, and and it fits it fits the gameplay style. Mm-hmm. It fits that mm-hmm. kind of sort of frantic nature and and the rhythm of it. Uh, the other thing that was kind of interesting and funny about that game, as I want to say, I I probably played that game before my first trip to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like one of these things where it's like the stuff that you see in these right. games, like sort of right. you know, color mm-hmm. your picture of actually going to the real places. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's funny, and I feel like maybe it's a little less of a of an appeal now because it's just been done so many times. But I feel like so many games, like six to ten years ago, five five to ten years ago, like that is a selling point that they would do when they would try to pitch you the game. Is it's like, yo, this is this is very accurate to Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Yakuza, I think, right. uh, rightfully made a big deal about it. I remember <laughs> Akiba's strip, in addition to, like, ripping clothes off of people, they're like, no, it's just like Akihabara. <laughs> 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 and it's, <laughs> like, kind of, but mm-hmm. the game was so janky that it, it wasn't really, like, immersive in that way. But anyway, um, yeah, it's interesting thinking about kind of the world ends with you and, and this comeback. Like, I'm really curious to see how this game sells because I know, um, right. like, a big deal for people and a question that we kind of get more than any other is, like, and I, I even had this conversation mm-hmm. with you, Brad, off camera, of, like, well, just how, like, can, do you want to jump into this fresh? Like, do you need to have played the first game? And you're like, definitely play the first game. And I know that the anime... Will also sure, yeah. get you caught you could up. Probably just watch yeah, because of the anime, just an adaptation yeah. of that story. Yeah, I think it's okay. just first game. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if that will kind of um, hinder things a little bit. Because I think about like Near Automata and the success of that game, and how mm-hmm. so many people played Automata and had no, no idea, idea. Uh, of the first game. But it kind of like straddled this line of if you had played the first game, there'd be some things you'd be able to mm-hmm. appreciate a little bit more. I'll say there's more. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. A deeper connection. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of a shame, I think, that, like, no one thinks the Switch version of the game is, like, the perfect way to play the first game. You know, right, yeah. So, yeah, uh, the DS, I think, is the, the best way to play that sure. game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the new endings, there's a new ending that's sick. So mm-hmm. you should watch it, but I would recommend playing the DS version if you can. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because like Square has really done a great job, either like, j- well, I guess just revitalizing things, you know. Because mm-hmm. I think of I think of Near, I think of World Ends with You, mm-hmm. I think of like this mana resurgence that's been yeah, really going on, yeah. super strong. Um, the Saga series they've been putting a lot of into. yeah, they've been doing good work on a lot of those fronts. Yeah, and it, and it's just it's really cool uh, because obviously you know we're huge fans of. Final Fantasy uh, mm-hmm. and everything that entails, but it's nice to because I think that's what made the PS One days just kind of so magical. Is you would have kind of those tentpole series, but you would also get all of these weird mm-hmm. branches of all these games trying different and new things. Mm-hmm. Um, and these aren't necessarily brand new games, but it's nice to kind of see that branching out. You know, and Dragon Quest, another example, like feels like it has more. Western relevance yeah. than ever, um, and it's just it's just as somebody who cares a lot about Japanese games, it's kind of nice. Yeah, to see. like 
this game, Neo Worlds of the U, is not near the caliber. It will not hit anywhere level near like a Final Fantasy game in success or anything like right. that. It, there's no way this game will ever get like super popular, probably, or anything like that. But yeah. I think it has a really dedicated fan base, and it's sweet Definitely. that they actually made a sequel for it. Yeah, and it seems like kind of the scope that they're taking with some of these projects, like I think Trials of Mana is a good example, uh, seems like in line with how well they can reasonably right. do right. Um, to, to get some kind of return on. And I guess that actually brings up uh, a question because, like, you know, I purposely haven't uh, watched, like, footage, a lot of footage for this game because mm-hmm. I want to go in as fresh as possible. But, like, from a presentation standpoint, uh, does it... Does it feel budgety at all, or or uh, it does? It... I mean, it kind of does because it is a lower budget game. Sure, like, yeah, yeah. You you put this next to Five Seven Remake, and you're like, whoa, <laughs> right? And I think it would be stupid to expect that level of production Correct, value. Yeah. I guess I'm just saying, like, does it does its lower budget kind of hurt immersion or no, presentation in a way? I don't or think does it does because the presentation's that? really good of sure, the game and the yeah. style of it's super well and like. It is a Switch game, too, and I just got to kind of remember that, too. Like, it's not, like, with the new consoles out now, if people are, like, looking for insanely high-fidelity games, like, it's not that kind of game. It's a cheaper game, but it's still really great and looks great. Yeah, um, that's actually a good question because I've been playing a lot of Switch games recently, and and two prominent examples, um, you know, Monster Hunter Stories 2 and Disguise 6, Mm -hmm. the performance definitely... Was not where I wanted it to mm-hmm. be. How is the performance? On I played the PS4 the version. Oh, you played the PS4 because I was yeah. like, sorry, I'm I play... got confused. I think you said no. You well, the I, I did bring up Switch. Sure. I brought it up, but like, I played the PS4 version because I thought it'd be probably the best gotcha. version available. Gotcha. And it ran great. I didn't run any problems. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it does sound like the, you know the Switch version does kind of have those kind of expected like lower frame rate. Yeah. Man, it's such yeah. a bummer. Though. Yeah. It's yeah. such a bummer. Uh, I think. I don't know when I'm going to get around to it. Maybe not even to the end of the year, but I think I might do. Yeah. PC. It's really great. Yeah, yeah I'm thinking I'll probably yeah, do PC, PC as yeah. well, yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. But yeah, it's great. Check it out if you're curious. I wish more people would play this series. Yeah. Because it is. Spe- I think it's different and unique, so. Yeah. I. Maybe this conversation will turn a few eyeballs onto it. We'll have to see. Mm. Um, Blood, speaking of... of kind of stylish JRPGs. Yeah. Uh, you've been playing one. You've been playing Chris Tales. Yeah. Um, which, you know, kind of pre-release, I think all of the footage that I saw, it was like, oh, this is really cool. It seems like it, it's really inspired by some great old school things. Like, it just had a good vibe to it. But looking through, you know, and it's not the best indicator, of course, but looking through, like, Steam reviews... I definitely saw a mixed reaction, and people were like, oh, like, it's it's got some problems, even just, like, in terms of, like, things are misspelled in dialogue, just kind of, there oh, is, just kind there of is a bit of that. Yeah. Um, and so I'm curious, kind of, what your takeaway has been, because, uh, you you know, you especially love some of those older JRPGs. Yeah, and I'm not quite done with it, so, you know, it's still opinion in progress, uh, but, uh, yeah, about 20 hours in. Uh, their estimate was 30 to 40 when they sent over the code, so mm. we'll, we'll see. Um, and and yeah, I would say, you know, I mean, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm quite disappointed, but I'm not like blown away by it either. Mm. Um, I would say that in some ways it's a little bit more basic and straightforward uh, than I was expecting. What do you mean by that? I mean that there's not like a lot of 
branching out and exploring things that are optional and that sort of thing. Mm. Like even a lot of the side quests that you do, like they're side quests and some of them are missable and I actually did miss some. I was, I was a little annoyed at but um but it, it it's at least the first few sections of the game, they're kind of like they're distinct chapters, right? So once yeah. you get to the end of that chapter, they kind of do like a point of no return kind of checkpoint question. It's like, hey, if you go past this point, you're not going to be able to do any, you know, you're not going to be able to finish the side quest that you have pending right now because they all kind of feed into sort of the final decisions of that chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one of the areas that I did, I don't remember if it was the second or third area, but essentially there was just like this weird gap of like five minutes between when you lose access to be able to start some of these side quests and when that prompt actually comes up. Mm. And I didn't, like, have a save file really in between there. And so, like, I could have gone back to, like, two hours ago and gotten the side quest that way. But it was like, oh, okay, I guess I'll just move on. Man, I... <laughs> I but as like... you're saying, like, little tiny things like that and typos, just, like, just minor little things that yeah. can kind of get in the way. Well, I want to circle back around to that, but it just, like... Time-based side quests, I feel like, is conceptually such a good idea, but it ends up being more... Like, it's it's never as cool as it sounds conceptually, and it always just becomes, like, a thing that drags down the experience. Like, I think of Xenoblade Chronicles, mm-hmm. and there were some, like, super fucking annoying time quest or quests where it was like... <laughs> Oh, you you need to fight this thing, but it will only appear when it's raining, and you're just sitting there, like just passing the days mm-hmm. to like try to get it to happen. And I think from the developer's perspective, they want you to just kind of like stumble upon it or have it be this 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 moment where it's like, oh, it finally happens. But it never ends up feeling that way. It's like it makes the game feel more artificial mm-hmm. as you try to like manipulate it to try to get the thing, and it and it kind of just pulls you out of the world. I think more than it. Pulls you in, but... Yeah, well, and sort of with this, too, it you know, the reason I, I'd missed them is because I had already, you know, explored town, mm-hmm. and, you know, they've, they've designed the towns pretty well to where, you know, even though there's not fast travel, you know, you kind of go off to the left and right in and, and kind of, like, layers, and so then once you need to, like, go up to the palace or whatever, you just walk through the center of town, and so, you know, it, it goes a little bit quicker, but since I had already explored the town when I first got there, you know, I didn't realize that at some point right. along the way in the story, like, oh, that person over to the right's got a quest, and this person over to the left's got a quest, and I just never saw the markers, because even the the markers are, like, really obvious. Mm. Um, there's not a lot of quests either. Like, each chapter has, like, three to four quests. Mm-hmm. So, was, again, like, for those to be kind of missable, I was like, oh, dang. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> it, it's funny to me that like this game can just look so beautiful yeah. and then you have kind of this sloppiness to it. Like it just, th- there's this weird kind of chasm there, I think between like the quality of different sections of it. Uh, but th- the, the side quests, I don't mind if there's not a lot of side quests, if they're like really well written or add to the experience. Like I, the best feeling with side quests is when you do one or two or three and it's so good and you're like, I want to do all of them. And so do you feel like these side quests are really adding to the world or are they just kind of filler? Uh, there's a little of both. Hmm. There are some that I've, I've done. It's like, oh, that was actually, you know, 
pretty cool and pretty interesting and mm-hmm. you know and and really felt like they played into the final decision of a chapter mm. in a, in a in a good way in a way that made sense um and then there are others that yeah they're just kind of like okay walk across town and you know pick up this item and, and give it to this person and, and mm-hmm. that's it you know um but uh overall like i, I should kind of talk a little bit more about like how the game's set up um mm-hmm. it's you know it is essentially a jrpg but it's made uh by a team in Colombia um with a lot of um kind of references and and just kind of homage to things like final fantasy and uh Chrono Trigger mm-hmm. and Paper Mario and how how overt is that stuff? I mean, is it just like kind of the the nuts and bolts of it, or is it like they're making? Because a lot of any games, I feel like, will do this where they'll specifically kind of wink mm-hmm. wink at you and make like a very direct reference. Yeah, is it that kind of thing. There are some direct references, which I'm like, I'm on the fence. Like, do I say the names or not? They probably end up in the review. But there's like, yeah. there's a there's a there's this volcano town, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a girl named Fira, and her mother's named Firaga. Mm. <laughs> that's that's pretty cute. I yeah. think I'm into that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then you know, like a lot of it is just kind of in more subtle ways. Like if you remember, in like the original Final Fantasy, uh, before you got an airship or anything, you had like a canoe, mm-hmm. and there's like you there's this there's this uh, giant shoe. That you use as a boat, mm. and you go up river in, and 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 that kind of thing, um, and then the combat system, which does a lot of unique things on its own, but it does a lot of the Mario RPG, Paper Mario style like timing stuff, mm-hmm. so that when you use an attack or when you're blocking, you need to hit timing, and there's there's kind of like two windows. There's like a good window, and there's like a crit window, so mm. you can. You know, in some cases, double the amount of damage that you're doing if you really pull cool. that off. And then similarly, if you whiff on the defense, you can lose quite a bit of health. Um, although the first area, the first combat area that you go through is pretty challenging because you don't have any real good ways to heal yet mm. or a lot of healing items. Uh, but since then, it hasn't been, it hasn't been too tough. It's been you know, pretty, pretty breezy, I think. Um. Part of what makes Paper Mario and, and the Mario Luigi games, I think, so much fun is not only do they have kind of these these timing-based moves, these actions that make combat so engaging, but there's just, like, the creativity of them and the sheer variety of them yeah. uh, really go a long way. And sometimes uh, I'll play a, a, a JRPG that, that, like, is kind of emulating that a little bit, but it ends up just kind of being, like, the same action or the same couple of actions over and over and that that creativity and that variety isn't there sort of where does this fall i think there's quite a bit um and you know i think the one the one fault that it can have is that uh in a given area there's not a ton of enemy variety Mm. but i think part of that is due to the way a lot of this stuff is set up with the way that you play with time in this game Mm. um and so in combat, basically, your party is in the center of the screen, mm-hmm. and then there will be enemies on the left and the right. And what uh, the main character, Chris Bell, can do is she can invoke time crystals. And so if she uses a time crystal to the enemies on the right, they'll move forward in time, and they'll 
age into mm-hmm. like older versions of themselves. And then similarly with the ones on the left, they'll become younger versions of themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that can affect their stats, that can affect the types of abilities that they can do. There's some enemies that will mess around with you on that kind of thing to where if you, if you shift time, then they'll lock that in place. Mm-hmm. So then you can't shift it back to the present. Um, and there's fun things that you can do, like with poison, you know, like poison is generating something that's like, okay, it damages somebody over time. But if you poison somebody and then you shift them into the future, then you do all that poison damage at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that can be, you know, a really good way to, to speed up combat. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, your different party members are all pretty different mm. with the way that uh, their special abilities and attacks play out. Uh, there is a robot who the, his basic attacks will like be, build up a heat meter. Um, and if you let him overheat, then he'll damage himself. Um, but the higher the heat meter is, then there are other attacks that will be stronger when you use them that don't build up the heat meter. So it's kind of like finding that balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of them is essentially, you essentially just mash. There's like a meter that pops up on screen and then you mash to get into the yellow zone mm-hmm. and try not to get into the red zone or again, you'll, you'll overheat and your attack will stop. But you're just like hitting them so many times and you just see the numbers like popping up. Three, 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 mm-hmm. six, 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 six. It's like, yeah. <laughs> and then there's uh, another girl who kind of plays... I think the closest comparison I can make to is uh, like Setzer in Final Fantasy VI mm-hmm. with his like slot machine thing. Mm-hmm. She has these roulette wheels that'll pop up, and you know you're just trying to like hit the button at the right time. Mm-hmm. And depending on when you hit it, that's like you'll do a water attack or a fire attack, or there's other ones that will be like you'll heal one character versus healing the whole party. Um, and so those can be really different. And then you also get like the chrono style dual techs mm-hmm. as well. Um, so there's like a meter that builds up as you attack. And then once every couple of battles, it'll fill up. And then you can combo Chris Bell with one of the other characters um, and, and do a more, more powerful at- attack uh, with them. That sounds super fun. Like it sounds like a pretty elaborate combat system Mm -hmm. um couple of questions first is with the age thing the the kind of first thought that my brain went into is like i imagine like especially later on part of the puzzle of combat is figuring out like how to shift time in a way where it only disadvantages the enemy like i can imagine Mm -hmm. there are some enemies where you like speed up time and they get stronger right yeah um, and so is that pretty intuitive, pretty simple to figure out, or does it take some sort of messing around? It takes with? some guesswork and it takes some, there's several, uh, characters that have like scan abilities. Mm. And so that's something too, that you kind of have to, you know, try to work with because some of them, when they scan, they'll only scan whichever version that you get, right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's currently on screen. Whereas others, you can play around with the time shifting to essentially like scan all mm. of their versions at once uh, and kind of speed that process up. And then you can kind of look through, once you've scanned them, then you can kind of look through sort of like a bestiary entry of them. Um, not outside of combat, but any time after you've scanned an enemy once, then in, once you fight them again, then before you attack, you can hit the, the Y button and, and see. is like, okay, remind yourself of what their weaknesses are, what their strengths are. Yeah. Um, and, you know, see how their sh- 
stats shift, you know, whether they're, okay, so when they get older, their magic defense goes up, but their attack goes down, and, and just all of these kinds of little things to kind mm-hmm. of mind games to mess with. I also think that their equipment system is uh, pretty interesting in that there's like a lot of uh, give and take and thought to put forward um, with how you're going to gear up Mm. Uh, your party without just going for the most powerful thing mm. all the time. Uh, there are these uh, weapon attachments, and like some of them will poison an enemy. Others will um, increase your attack, but it will also do damage to you. So it's like, okay, if, well, if I'm using that on my weapon, then maybe I'll put you know some other piece of equipment on that will give me a regen effect so I can kind of counteract... Um, gotcha. damaging myself and, and so there's a lot of little things like that as well as uh, some pieces of equipment that will just kind of like raise how much money you get after a fight and mm-hmm. so it's like okay do I want my stats to be good or do I want to like get some cash right now for something else Sure. Uh, and, and one of the nice things is that a lot of the side quests will give you some of those like more expensive items like there's a ring that lets you avoid random battles. Oh, nice! That I got out of one of the side quests. It's like, thank goodness I did not have to pay forty thousand or whatever for that. Thing. Right. <laughs> um. With the combat system and everything that's that's going on, uh, I feel like sometimes elaborate con- combat systems. The thing that really drags it down is just fights end up taking way too long, mm-hmm. and it, it's kind of like in isolation or for like boss battles. Uh, having those kind of slugfests that that really take a long time can be super fun, but when you're, you know, doing it every thirty steps or whatever it ends up being, it it loses its novelty. And so, how how is the balance in terms of like elaborateness of combat and the frequency with which you do it? Um, yeah, so that's one thing with the random encounters that I actually feel. Like, there have been times where I'm like, am I in an area that doesn't have enemies? Mm. <laughs> uh, because there will be times that it, it takes a while uh, for for that to show up. So it's it, it's not too bad. I, I, I still have times when I wish I had some kind of run button mm. or something just walking so around. So there's no escape from battle? There's a flea. Okay. But I mean, like, when you're just exploring oh, a see, map. I see, I see. I get what you're saying. You know, it's like, okay, there's like a, you know, I want to check out this area and see, okay, there's a dead end here at the treasure chest, and then I got to walk walk my way back, and I I would just like, I'd love like a little dash or something. Um, Because the the areas, you know, aren't, you know, that's why I was saying like one of the things, like a a lot of the areas aren't super complex, and they're sort of like the way they're framed in the shot, you can kind of see a lot of the paths too. Um, So it's just kind of like working your way from point A to point B sometimes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think, I think if there were more enemy variety, that would definitely be a plus. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that when you come across new types of enemies, like there is always that sort of fun experimentation of like, all right, I'm going to scan. I'm going to try to figure out what this guy's about, what Mm -hmm. they can do. Um, there's a lot of. There are a lot of slimes in the game and, and different <laughs> elements. And okay, well, like this guy's going to split up and this guy's going to explode, and you know, and, and sort of figuring out how you know. And they can be counterintuitive too because they're like, oh, the big slime is the young one, and they get smaller as they age. Mm. <laughs> um, and and then uh, outside of combat, the uh, the time elements play into a lot of the the quests and stuff too. And so 
you'll see when you're in town that the screen is kind of split in like a triangle. Mm-hmm. And so you can see the past on the left and the future on the right. And, and then you can, uh, you have this little yellow frog with a top hat companion that you can send into uh, the future or the past. Uh, and so it's really, again, it's like one of those things to where with the art and the amount of like effort they had to put into like making three versions of every town, yeah. it's pretty cool to see that stuff. Uh, but sometimes in terms of the gameplay, it doesn't always feel that rewarding. Mm. It's like, oh, we need to go into the past now. And you like jump into the past and like listen to a conversation, come back to the present. Yeah. And that's, okay, that was it. <laughs> There's not like a lot of a puzzle to that sometimes. So, mm-hmm. um, But I will say that like now, I'm like at this 20-hour point. Like I'm to kind of reaching this like turning point in the story. To where, you know, you know when you get to this point in, in like a game, especially the RPG, you're like, yeah, okay, this is the point where I stop capturing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> like, I'm not recording anything yes. after this because there's stuff with my party members and stuff with the story that's like, all right, there's, it's all spoilers at this point. Yeah, the the tricky thing that I run into is finding the point where you're like, oh, okay, like story stuff from now on is going to be spoilers, so I can't capture that. But then, especially with RPGs, they'll do, like, this cool new mechanic or this mm-hmm. thing that's not really a spoiler that you do want to capture. And so you'll you'll capture it, and then it'll, like, in the midst of that, something spoilery will happen. So it's trying to right. cut around that uh, can be kind of a mess. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, I got a, you know, a party member that, like, just kept, this party member is a straight-up spoiler. Yeah. It has completely different mechanics. They're not unique or anything. They're other, you know... RPGs I could compare it to, but it's like, well, I'm just not talking about this person. Blood, the the last question I have is definitely a tricky one, uh, but this is coming from like a, a place of personal interest where you know I've kind of had my eyes on Chris Tales since it was announced. It looks really cool. Uh, the mechanics that you're describing seem really neat, even if it's not. You, you know, there are a number of problems with it, but. You know, you're mentioning what? This is a 40-hour game, presumably. Yeah. Um, on top of everything else that I'm covering and 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 you know, trying to get caught up in Final Fantasy 14, <laughs> <laughs> would you say that like this is worth carving out the time for? Is it is this that special? Uh, so far, I think so. Mm. I mean, I, you know, I, it like like I'm saying, there's a lot of things about it. You know, with the combat system uh, and with the art style and all of that, that really do feel like, even though there's a lot of familiarity with it, that they are doing, you know, they they have high ambitions, right? Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of those high ambitions don't necessarily play out um, as well as you'd want. You know, sometimes when you make choices that, you know, that affect the story, it's like, well, really there's a good choice here and there's two not so good choices, you know. <laughs> it's like, uh, and it's just a matter of you know what you've managed, how you've managed to wh- whether you managed to to get the requirements for the best choice or not. Um, but like I said, now that I'm in this sort of zone, and I don't know where things will go from here, mm-hmm. but now I'm in a part of the game where I'm really excited about what's going to happen next. Yeah, which I didn't really have too much of that from. Mm. The first few chapters. That is a problem of the genre because yeah. I feel like when you say like, "Oh, 20 hours in," like mm-hmm. I'm really starting to care. I feel like I've had that sensation so many times, right. and it's like that's awesome. 
but 20 hours is just too long to reset a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like someone says, hey, watch the... The, it gets good in the third season yeah. of the show. Oh, yeah, it's, it's like, exactly well, like damn. That. It's exactly <laughs> but I think at least, like, the first, you know, 10 or 12 hours or so, like, so much of it is so new. Right. That, that it's still fresh. So you just kind of have, like, a little bit of a mm. doldrum where it's like, okay, this feels like just another area of doing the thing that I did in the first area or two. So, yeah. Sure. Um, well, speaking of things that you're excited to see where they're going, um, I still have a long way to go, but... It's one of those things where the more I play it, the more invested I get. And it's kind of tricky to talk about, uh, but that is the great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Oh, yeah. uh, Which consists of of two Ace Attorney games uh, that... It's it's an Ace Attorney spinoff, and it takes place kind of at a point in Japan where they're just developing their sort of contemporary legal system and so like the concept of an attorney is brand new and brand f- and, and fresh and so like straight off the bat that's a very intriguing concept and I've only been able to uh, play the first game of this duo so far so uh, I'm on case I just got to the case three today and I think right off the bat if you have any ace attorney experience, it will feel intentionally very familiar, like to the point where the characters that they have, where it's like, oh, like this is clearly a reference to mm-hmm. the character in the original game, or like even some of the broader <laughs> things that are happening feels like it's sort of uh, mirroring Phoenix's story in the first game, which is kind of interesting. And at first, in the first case, I was like, that's really neat, but. I think maybe it's leaning in that a little bit too heavily. And then in the second case, I was like, oh, okay. Like, you could definitely still make that same argument, but I think it's doing enough here uh, on, a, on a presentation level to really separate itself. And so what I mean by that is uh, in the second case, you're on this boat. And so you're not in a courtroom, but there is this character named Herlock Sholmes who you know obviously right. that's you know who he's sort of imitating but he's just such this uh, this wonderful character because he's like a smart dimwit who's very eccentric <laughs> where he kind of gets everything wrong but through the process of him getting everything wrong you get everything right and he's smart enough to as you're kind of course correcting him he'll bounce off that in a way that's kind of productive and so he's this really fun character where he's not, like, because I, I feel like in these stories, you always have, like, the dimwit, right? Like, just this the lovable oaf. He's not quite completely that. Uh, and so I think just that, like, little bit of a, of a edge to him makes him interesting and fun. Um, because no matter how wrong he is, he has, like, absolute confidence in himself. Uh, and so that's kind of fun to... Uh, play off of because your main character, sort of this budding lawyer, has no confidence or is is very uh, unsure of himself until he kind of gets thrust into situations where he sort of has to rise to the occasion um, and, and become sort of this very talented figure. Um, but there's, there's mechanics in it so that really emphasize like how fun it is, I guess. Uh, and what 
in in the second case, you'll have these great deductions, right? The great deductions of Herlock Sholmes. And what he'll do is he'll, they call it like a dance, where him as a detective, he'll like spin around and snap, and he'll be like, this thing happened, and then this thing happened. And then what you do, it's called the course correction. <laughs> he'll point out like key details and things that he got wrong, but you'll do the same thing where you'll kind of spin around and you'll snap and there will be like spotlights. It's very like ghost trick style where there'll be spotlights on certain things. And uh, what's kind of fun is when you're pointing out these flaws in things, you'll actually like rotate around a character model to be like, oh, there's something on the back of this guy's shirt. Oh, nice. Or there's something, uh, you know, that, that, she's hiding in her pocket or, or just something along those lines. Um, and the character designs are just so much fun and, and are, are so expressive. You know, I think it's long been uh, uh, kind of a hallmark of uh, the Ace Attorney series, but it's something that they're just, they're crushing so much. And so it's like, I think if you enjoy Ace Attorney and you kind of know what it's about, like, Everything that I'm saying seems like kind of par for the course, mm-hmm. but I think this is one of those games where even if you've experienced it before, you know, in any capacity, you know, whether that's light or heavy, I think it's just so well written and so creative that like it kind of doesn't matter. Like I'm going through these cases and it's like, this is just a really clever case. Like mm-hmm. there'll be times where I'm like, oh, I think I know where it's going to go. And then they'll add, you know, three or four more layers on top of it where it gets outlandish admittedly, but because you're responsible through for going through the logic and figuring things out, you know, there is like this weird bit of groundedness to it where it's like, okay, this is like an extremely unlikely situation, but I could see how it would happen because you walked me through it. Right. Um, in a way that is, that is super fun. And I think like the cases, um, are at least so far, right. Still early on the cases so far are, uh, creative enough to be interesting, but there's more going on there. And so like, as the cases go on, you really get to know these characters better and kind of develop these interpersonal relationships that become more valuable than whatever ridiculous situation that you're trying to solve. Like, there's a nice through line. I think the other thing that's very good is, like, you know, hot new Ace Attorney release. I really, at least so far, I don't. I really don't think you need to have played any of the other games nice. at all to be able to jump in. Um, and... It's just been so much fun so far that, like, I would recommend this to anybody. If you've, mm. like, you've always been curious about these games, you've never dabbled in with them before, like, this is it. This is a perfect opportunity to kind of uh, get in there and, and see what the fuss is about. So can you fail in this game? Like, can you fail a case mm-hmm. and stuff? Like, how does that come about? Yeah. Um, great question, Brad, and something that I wasn't even thinking of. But this is actually something that's kind of my... Problem with the series in general, and so there will be times throughout a case where you'll have to um, present evidence, mm-hmm. right, or, or or argue against something, and you'll have, like, a certain number of tries. And so it's like if you present the wrong thing, uh, you will lose one of those tries. Okay. And so you can get to a point where um, you run out of all those tries, and that actually has not happened to me yet in this game, mm-hmm. so I can't really, like 
say what the, the, the fail state is, but it has happened to me in other Ace Attorney games in a way that was, or at least I remember it being kind of frustrating. Thankfully, you can save at any point Got in it. this game. So, like, you can be, and it's, this has been really nice uh, playing it on Switch as, like, a mobile experience where, like, I was on a plane, and it's like, okay, like, this person is, like, you know, mid-testimony, and I need to get off this plane. Right. So I just saved it, and it picks up, and you load the game, and it's like, this is right where they were talking before, and you can easily look at, like, their the history and stuff. Dialogue so it's history, like, oh, yeah. if I don't remember exactly the context That's of nice, this, yeah. you have it right there. Um, but, Brad, one of my frustrations with the game is not the fact that you can fail, but there have definitely been times, and it happened to me in the first case in this game, it's only happened once, but it's happened to me in other Ace Attorney games where it's like... The correct answer is, like, specific, and I feel like what I'm presenting is trying to make the same argument, but it's not exactly what mm, you wanted. Right. And so sometimes you, you feel like you have kind of this, like, logical fuzziness where it's like, I feel like we're both trying to say the same thing in different ways, mm. but it wasn't exactly the way that you wanted it. Uh but so far in this game, it's only happened once. Uh, so hopefully, like as I get you know to the third case, the fourth case, the fifth case, and then the second game, uh, you know maybe it is less of an issue here. Right. I guess. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but really, really fun. I think something that I don't know if it's going to be a big deal for people because these cases are just so dense uh, and there's so much dialogue that you kind of get to a point where it's like, okay, like, I'm processing this pretty quickly, right? Like, I'm just, I'm digesting it, reading fast, and moving forward. Uh, and that's kind of, like, the way that I like to play. Like, in JRPGs, like, I, I read a lot faster, I feel like, than they talk. Mm -hmm. Right. And so yeah. it's, like, cutting off dialogue a lot. Yeah, that's, but, that's like, I've been having the same struggle with Chris Tales. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, like, there's a lot of inflection and in, in voice, and, you know, and, like, right. every line is acted. Right. You know, sometimes, like, I've... Okay, <laughs> I'm just kind of waiting for them to finish, finish the line since the text is there, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I know a lot of people like playing in different ways, and for the most part, this game isn't voice acted. And oh, so okay, I wonder sure. if that would be... It's it's really not a big deal for me, and I, I think, the again, like the expressions of these characters are just so exaggerated and fun that there's still plenty of personality there. But you do get little bits of voice at like the beginning of Cases, uh, through like animated cutscenes and that sort of thing, and even though it's just a small tidbit, I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty good. Like, I wonder what this would sound like if it was fully voiced. Mm -hmm. And so, honestly, it's just kind of a curiosity. But yeah, for the most part, not voiced. Oh, you mentioned uh, fail states and difficulty. N this is not something I've messed with so far, but there is a story mode. Uh, in this game. And so what that means is you can turn that on and mm. if you're like, hey, I'm just here for the story, which I think is totally understandable in this game if you don't really want to solve puzzles or you don't want to piece things together. Again, I think it's like so creative that you should at least give it a try. But if you turn on story mode, it just solves everything for you. Oh, okay. So you just be on the story. So I, I do feel like it is 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 very flexible. Uh, sure, yeah. If that is a, a selling point for people. Cool. Yeah. Um, so these games were originally, the last point that I want to say, uh, is these games were originally on the 3DS, right? And so this, this Switch version, you know, obviously looks better, uh, than its original 3DS incarnation. And for the most part, like the character models look really great. Just like 
the, these beautiful kind of anime characters come to life, very expressive, like I said. But there are definitely times where you're like investigating an area and you're like, that's just a smudgy texture. Like, like, that was clearly <laughs> like oh. not meant to be yeah. you know, on this giant television. 3S. Yeah. 3S game. Um and so that that definitely sticks out, but I think for the most part the presentation is pretty good uh and, and is not really um it doesn't really detract. Mm-hmm. It's not bad enough to really detract too much from what's going on. But yeah, been a ton of fun. Uh, we're not going to have some fun, though, because we're going into the sizzle. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, where, you know, we uh, mix up the show a little bit here, put these guys in the hot seat. I actually had another sizzle uh, that I was going to do, but I think I'm going to switch it out on you guys. All right. I want you to put your brains together and it's always funny because I've been doing this show so long that, like, every time I do this show, I'm like, have I already done this? So I may have already done this, but I don't think I have. Uh, what, in your opinion, is the worst major PlayStation franchise? <laughs> wow. It's tough because, like, I didn't I was thinking about it and I didn't immediately come up with something. Right. I, I have, like, some ideas, but I don't even know if they're yeah, good. Yeah, I'm really trying to think. Are we talking about, like, current PlayStation franchises or all time? I I was thinking about going either way, but for the sake of argument, let's say ongoing. Oh, shoot. Ongoing franchise. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, PlayStation franchise. Ongoing. Okay, don't kill me. No. I'm no. going to say. This is meant to be hot. I'm just gonna say I'm gonna say Ratchet and Clank, even okay. though I think it's excellent. Yeah, excellent video game. <laughs> yeah, it's just Ratchet and Clank still. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Not saying it's a bad thing, but it. Sure, dude. I've been there. I've, I'm playing a Ratchet and Clank game. I know exactly what I'm getting. And I do yeah. every time. I I've got one that's kind of similar, um, and this just popped in my head. Little Big Planet. Yeah. Yes. So the that's reason, a great pick too, actually. The reason why I, I say that yeah, it is yeah. a better pick is yep. I I love Little Big Planet, but I feel like it's kind of been diminishing returns. Like my wife and I always play Little Big Planet together, and I feel like mm-hmm. just the last couple of Little Big Planet games that we've played, it's like, oh, this is cute and fun, but like the magic isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's kind of run its course in a way that makes me sad. That's why they changed it so yeah. much, I guess, with yeah. Sackboy or whatever. Yeah, and the thing is, man, like, I played Sackboy, and I, I know, like, you really liked it, and I mm-hmm. know Huber liked it a lot, and I, I think some other allies maybe liked it as well. I don't remember who. Mm-hmm. But I just wasn't that into it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I get I, it. I was over it. I get yeah. it. You got one, Blood? Mm. It's hard because it's like you say series, and there's not a lot of... Ongoing that's series right now. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, I feel like some of the things I might go for are just stuff that, like, just never appealed to me. Like, like Loco Roco. Like, what the heck is Loco Roco? Oh, that shit ain't going anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. dead. Yeah, it's but dead. Yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's I t- mean, I'm not, I'm not like a huge Loco Roco fan. I've, I've just messed around with those games a little bit, but yeah, and that's the thing. Is like, I just haven't even, I haven't even put the time. Yeah, I thought they were into it. Really charming and like spoke to like mm-hmm. kind of the best of PlayStation things. Hmm. All right, uh, Blood. Unless you have anything else for us, 
in terms of, of worst ongoing PlayStation series. Um, yeah, it'd be curious to have like a, the bucket. I always, oh, yeah. always want to see the bucket. Like, what am I picking out of? Yeah, yeah. I can never remember everything. There'll be something there. Uh, this shout out or this sizzle, not this shout out. This sizzle is brought to you to you by some wonderful shout out to your patrons. Uh, if you want to find out more, go to Patreon.com/slash/EasyAllies, uh, where you can be shouted out on all of our various podcasts. We have quite a few. Um, but, uh, before I do these shout outs in honor of PlayStation, let's try to do like a, <laughs> imagine Crash Bandicoot saying shout out. Give me your best Crash shout out. I just think of Crash when like the old commercials of the guy in the Crash suit. Sure, you could do that. You can Shout out with his like megaphone, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you can, uh, interpret that however you want. But shout out to L. Thanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, Caleb Togi Crawford. Ezokal and Nick. Shout out! Shout out! Shout out! The voice that came out of me was not the voice that I had in my head, (laughs) which is always a very weird uh, experience. Yep. But, yeah. Um, Blood, talk to me about Tribes of Midgard. Uh, Yeah, we streamed this last week. Uh, Mike and Mike and... Brandon and me <laughs> jumped in there, and we were like, I think the time slot was like three hours, and we went like an hour and a half over that. Uh, I still don't know that we know what we we're doing. <laughs> so, what is this game? Because I, I imagine yeah. quite a few people have maybe given it. So, it's like a team survival kind of a thing, um, and you can play. You can just jump in. You can just jump into matchmaking, or you can play with friends, and it's like two to eight players, either two to eight or two to ten, something around those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and the tutorial really just like gives you like the, the very basics. It's like, okay, go out and get some wood and like build an ax and then chop down a tree and then build a sword and then, you know, and just kind of go with that. Dude, it's, gathering wood is the game meta right now. Right? So many games got to go out there and collect wood. Right. I like doing it. Yeah. It's fun. No, it, I mean, it works. <laughs> really, know, yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that distinguishes it a little bit from like a Valheim or like a Grounded or something is it's not it's not it's about building a base but it's not about building a base it's not a you know there's there's a lot of this stuff that you don't really have to engage with because there's already a central area with shopkeepers that are going to mm-hmm. upgrade things and you know and if you want to you know make uh like guard towers to shoot arrows at things. You just go up to the guard tower and you pump the resources into it. Mm-hmm. And so there are things for like platforms and ramps and all kinds of stuff. We did, we just didn't. I don't think any of us even touched it. Like I don't think we actually know how to play this game yet. But a lot of it is is sort of the self discovery of just going out there and finding things. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not. Yeah, it, it's not like you have to like start off by like, all right, we got to start putting walls up or everything's going to get destroyed. Because that stuff is just the basic of your camp is is just there from the from the outset, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah, so you do have a day night cycle to where you go out and you gather resources and you build, you know, your equipment, your equipment and your your weapons and all of that, and then night falls, and then you get kind of the tower defense side of it where you know, all right, I'm gonna take the right side of the camp, you take the bottom, 
you know. And are you setting up like automated defenses in the section, or is it very much like it's a mix? Okay. So it's like each player is going to be there taking on uh, these these creatures, but then you also can set up the guard towers to just shoot arrows, and you can invest in um, gates that will close and uh, you know keep enemies from getting in. And then once daylight comes, any enemies that are left just basically get you know vampire like vampires they just kind of melt away. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then there's other things that kind of pop up on the map, sort of. Um, sporadically like there are Jotun that are just like gigantic elemental giants yeah and they'll say you know there's there's a Jotun on the map and it'll be way off like way farther than anyone's gonna go right right but after a while it starts getting close to your camp and you're like all right we're we all got to team up and deal with this thing because if any one of you just on your own tries to fight it you're, you're probably not going to do that well it's really just it's getting that that teamwork together and everyone just doing as much damage as they can um, and, and finding the weapons that, that work for them and that kind of thing. Is there an element of risk in going after a Jotun and, like, you don't make it back in time when, like, you're for the tower defense section? Or is it, like... That yeah, is, that's, oh. that plays into it okay, for cool, sure. Cool, because cool. Um, essentially, like, you have, like, a, like a sapling of Yggdrasil or whatever that's in the center of, of your base. Mm-hmm. And so as you kill enemies, and actually I think anything that you do, like in addition to the resources that you get, you also get souls. And so those souls you want to feed to the, the sapling, um, but you, can, you also need them to like repair gear. You need them to upgrade vendors so that you can get more powerful tools. You need them to repair um, like farms and and workshops and stuff that are automatically going to feed resources into your base. And so there's like a lot of these systems that kind of like feed into each other and figuring out like, okay, where's the best way to spend my resources at a time? Um, and and one of those things too is just like, okay, what am I going to share with everybody? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Because you've got all this stuff on your person, you can throw everything into a war chest, and then people can use that stuff to to upgrade their gear, but then you come back and like, oh, my stuff's all gone. Juba used it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Because some too of those, true. some of the armor and, and stuff like that use, you know, rare materials that you've got to find. And, and the map is randomly generated every time too. So just finding out like, okay, where is the fire material at? Uh, which, you know, I think I only found, you know, like one time. Uh, but it's, it's, it's also nice that it's, you know, it's it's not some place that you can that you think about as being permanent. Mm-hmm. You know, like when when you have again when you have one of these games where like you're really like building all the walls and like okay I'm gonna put a chair here and like you're just you're customizing so much of this stuff. You know, then when it gets destroyed, it's just a huge bummer and you don't want to do it all over again. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this, it's it's more of it's like loop hero or like a roguelike in a little bit of a way because. You know, okay, we got destroyed, but we understand how this works a little bit better. So let's get back in there and let's get out there and start, mm, you know, yeah. doing better than we did the first time. Um, I, I feel like this is always my question when it comes to any survival game. How is how satisfying is the combat? Mm. Um, I think it was it was actually pretty good. Mm. You know, I, like I said, I think one of the things is. Finding the weapons that that work for you, and mm-hmm. so like, 
as as you might have guessed, like Jones just gravitates, you know, towards, towards Bo. Bo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I imagine Huber used it axe. Uh, yeah, I don't know if he actually got into the axes or not. I'm not sure what he was using. Spear, maybe. Yeah, there, I think there's a spear in there, and there's definitely swords. And then I just. It, because of the resources, I stumbled on this freaking like Thor's hammer. Oh, cool. nice! You know, with these lightning effects, and it's funny because uh, the skill trees were like, well, you know, you can buff up your fire effects or bump up your ice effects. I'm like, well, where's the skill tree for lightning? It must be mm-hmm. a different class um, because that is one of the things that like over time you unlock different mm. classes uh, that you can become. Uh, so th- yeah, so there's just like a lot of different layers to dive into as you get more and more time into the game. And I think one of the things that we learned at the end is like we had stopped paying attention to like these quest markers because I think for the longest time it was just like kill the Jotun. And like yeah. once we killed the Jotun, then we, we were just kind of obsessed with exploring and finding fast travel points and, and figuring out, you know, what else we wanted to do and build up. And we kind of missed, like there was something about building a bridge to some place and like none of us were paying any attention to it. <laughs> And then after we'd killed, like, our third Jotun, then, like, it's like, hey, is there, like, snow everywhere? And, like, we're learning that, like, oh, at some point the game just starts, like, creating, like, a permanent winter. Mm. And you're just going to die of the cold. <laughs> and so I think, like, the point that we stopped, we're probably going to come back to this game and die in five minutes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because we didn't take that into account. <laughs> I, I guess that kind of answers my my next question, but... Uh, is there a story, any storytelling kind of sprinkled with this, or is it mostly focused on the mechanics of survival? It doesn't seem that there's a story in the sense of, like, a dialogue or Cut something like or, that. No. Yeah, I didn't know if, like, it seems there's anything if there is, the it's probably more, okay. you know, like a lore-based kind of thing. Because there is, like, a, a, a bulletin board with, like, a bunch of quests and stuff. Yeah. And there are certain things that we didn't quite understand. Like there's like some stag that descended from the heavens and mm. somebody went out there and was like, okay, is that an enemy? What is it? And it's like, no, you just talk to it and then you get a blessing or something and it goes mm. away. Yeah. <laughs> and there's like these roosters that appeared, like a couple of roosters. Like, what do you mean roosters? What? <laughs> it, it sounds like something where, you know, you guys just kind of did this one off stream, but there's so much to uncover that you're, it sounds like you're like you're just excitement to mm-hmm. get back into it and experience right. it with people. But it, it really sounds like you need to have that discovery as a group. Like I can't imagine. Yeah, you I feel like I and, wouldn't want to play this with yeah. random people. Sure, because I guess there wanna, probably is you all my talk so much about what you're doing. Yeah, you know, so yeah, and and just that communication of like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to invest these resources into the quarry somebody else if you find any more you know cut stone was the like the meme of the stream because <laughs> like it c- took so much stone yeah to be able to create cut stone <laughs> and plus you had to upgrade the you know whatever the craftsman that that makes it do you do you think the tutorial is like bare bones to a fault that like if you weren't playing it with your friends some of the stuff you just you would have figured out even less i guess is the question um Maybe, but again, it's just like, I just, I don't, I'm, I guess I'm just not the kind of person that it, playing with random people that would appeal to me sure, for this yeah, kind yeah. of a game, for this kind of like heavily cooperative kind of a game. Right. And, you know, maybe if I was in a group that was more like eight or 10 players, I could kind of find my own niche and sort of. It sounds like all d- the allies need to jump in on Do this. my own thing. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, and, and, and there would just be such a group of numbers that we, you know, we would just sort of figure it out. Yeah. Um, but with a smaller group, like four people, like we were playing with, mm-hmm. you really need to be kind of coordinated. Yeah. Um, I can imagine also with random people, you know, it sounded like sharing resources was such a big deal. And I can imagine when you're not communicating with people, that would be, there'd be some tension there. Like, wait, no, like, wait, I need that. Yeah. I thought this was an ARPG. I didn't know this was, based off the trailers I saw before. Right. I was right. like, oh, it's just another ARPG. Yeah. Like, that was kind of my, thing. That, I mean, that was exactly my feeling on it as well. I didn't so realize I'm surprised to hear all this. So involved. Um, yeah, I mean, there are enemy camps with, you know, mm-hmm. chests to loot and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, you have you get different potions and stuff to use. And so, like, different strengths of healing as well, various yeah. buffs and all of that. I mean, this yeah. sounds more interesting than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, what you're saying sounds way cooler. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be one where, the, like, because you can have such a big party, I would like to get Yeah, that is cool. You can have a huge party. That's rad. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of survival, Brad, you and I have been trying to survive Final Fantasy XI. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, and it's been, it's been really fascinating. Survive the installation, at least. Yeah. Uh, no, the uh, Play Online installation, it, the first time. Oh, my God. Quite a yeah, while. me too. Yeah. It was just so like, dumb. Like, okay, where's my Play Online ID? My Play Online password is different from my Square Enix password. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. They don't make it easy to play. Because your play online ID can't have, or no, your play online password can't have special characters. So that was throwing me off. Anyway, oh gosh. Yeah, it was. It was. It's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is. It's more. It's old. It's just old. That's what it is. But anyway, um, Brad, I know you've been playing. You've played, I think, the most yeah, out of any of us recently on your own. <laughs> uh, I played a little bit on my own, but then obviously we had the uh, stream where we all collectively tried to figure out. Which yeah. was a super fun stream. Uh, you can see that at youtube.com slash plays if you want to check that out. Um, but, you know, I have my own thoughts on, on revisiting Final Fantasy XI, but since you've kind of put the most time in recently, mm-hmm. uh, and you've also played a ton of Final Fantasy XIV, how are you feeling about it? It's wild ride, man. This it's game wild is ride. wild. Yeah. So this game's 19 years old, I think, now, dude. Ooh. 2002, and I think, was the Japanese yeah. launch. Boy, does it feel like it's 19 years old. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, my yeah. God dang. This game is incredibly slow. Yeah. Everything takes forever to do. Everything, your menu, like, the interface is not smooth. It's yeah. super clunky. But I'm having a good time. Yeah. Brett, I, I really think that that sums it up pretty well. Um, specifically... Camera is a pain in the ass, yeah. and uh, menu is a pain in the ass. Yeah. So to talk about the camera first, it's just like, you, you think about any MMO or really any modern game, and there's just like a smoothness to the camera where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I walk around and I turn the camera. But the mouse movement with the camera feels like way swimmy. Garbage. And so then you're like using the air, like I was using the air yeah. keys, you were using the air keys to do it. And there's just kind of this like clunkiness to mm-hmm. it where it just doesn't feel, and even the way that your character moves around I think is like a little mm-hmm. floaty yeah. and swimmy oh, yeah. in a way that is is kind of weird. And boy the menu cuz like in 14 you have to do a lot of delivery quests, right? And the mm-hmm. way that you do a delivery quest is you like talk to the person and then the menu automatically comes up mm-hmm. and you just give, give them the, them the item, yeah. Here I remember the first time I was like, "Oh, I know I need to give this person, I think it was the adventurer coupon." Mm-hmm. 
I was like, I talked to them and they don't prompt me at all about this coupon. And it's like, no, I have to go to the menu. I have to select trade. Then I have to select the person. And then the trade menu comes up. Then I have to get the thing and Mm -hmm. then I have to hit okay. And so it's just like so needlessly cumbersome Mm -hmm. Uh, in a way that it like is kind of appealing just because of how old it is, but is also... um, Kind of a pain in the ass. I don't know if, if that's generally how you feel about it. But. Oh, yeah. I think this game is super charming and appealing in many ways, despite its many flaws, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like, there's almost a beauty to its simplicity, I would say. Like, yeah. you play this game and you play Final Fantasy XIV, like, back-to-back. Yeah. Completely different game. Completely oh, different. completely like, different. Final Fantasy XI is a very slow pace. Like, you get in combat, it's, like, even slow getting into combat. Yes. It's not immediate, like, snappy. It's like kind of like gets you in this camera angle, like ca- right. combat engage. You're in combat mode now. You want to leave combat mode? You got to disengage combat mode and actually run away. You can't just move around super freely and easily. Yes. Yeah. No. I mean, uh, again, comparing it to Final Fantasy fourteen, or or really, I think this comparison applies to any other MMO. Is like contemporary MMOs. You think of combat, and it's like, oh, I've got all these skills, and I'll hit this skill, and then it will proc this other skill, and I'll do this cool combo, um, you know, and they try to make it more active. Mm-hmm. But, like, the early goings of Final Fantasy XI, it's like, I'm going to hit attack, and then I just, yeah, just I don't have to do anything. You I just, just lean you back just in your back, chair. I'm going to watch my little Taru Taru just smack this thing with mm-hmm. the staff super slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'll cast stone. Um, yeah, so it's, it is. It's, it's super, super slow. Uh, but Brad, uh, something there's there's also kind of this joyfulness to mm-hmm. it as well. Because um, thinking about Final Fantasy XIV, and I don't I don't even mean this as an insult. It's it's like you said, it's two completely different styles of game. But Final Fantasy XIV, I mean, you're really drugged by the nose. Yep. Uh, not there there is openness, right? Like there are mm-hmm. side quests that you can do. You can run around and find aether currents. You you can you can make your own fun. But I would say for the most part, like you're if you're you're following that, you know, main scenario quests, mm-hmm. and it's like heavy dialogue, heavy cutscenes, heavy narrative. Scenes, heavy it's narrative. like a Final Fantasy game. Yeah, you're going, you you're going from, from one place one. to another to the other. Yep. You know, it's a very linear story. In Final Fantasy Eleven, like there is there are tutorial quests you can go through, but for the most part, it's like you get plopped in the city, and it's like I don't know, man, figure it out. Yeah. Um, and I, I, there is kind of this just this like sort of sense of 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 wonder. That I think really is gone from contemporary MMOs, and I'm, I'm speaking about WoW as yeah. well, because there was a moment on stream. This is maybe the best moment of stream where we like had all gotten to level ten. We finally grouped up, and we were wandering around. And you guys saw it way before I did. You're like, "Yo, what's that freakish thing? What's mm-hmm. that giant monster?" Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, what, what, what? And I just wanted to, like, see it, and I finally saw it, and it was this giant, disgusting worm, and it's like, whoa! And it was just such a, like, pure, wholesome moment mm. of... Discovery. Discovery, and, and it's like, yeah. something actually felt like a threat, because there was a moment where I was like, I, I was like, oh, I think I can take this orc, and I super couldn't. Right. And so I'm, like, <laughs> running away, I'm, like, trying to go back into town, and these things, you know, mobs will follow you forever, and mm. so it's like... I'm I'm finally I need to like get into town. I need to go through the loading screens. This thing will finally stop attacking me. And I feel like in contemporary MMOs, that sense of danger really isn't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can get away pretty like, easily. Maybe like world PvP, uh, where like you know mobs are generally like th- if you're in this area, you're safe. You can pretty much take anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that has its benefits too. Again, it's not really an insult, but 
Um, it just makes the just, world feel more dangerous, I'd say. Yeah, more dangerous. And, like, it makes simple things more momentous to yep. the point. Like, there's a lot of grind and pain in the ass and slowness mm-hmm. to it. But even just, like, I remember kind of getting out of the town, going into the first area, and then just trying to get to the second area. Like, even that was kind of an event. You yep. know? It's like, yo, we got to... We got to work to get there. Yeah. Uh, so that's pretty I cool. had to run to Juno when I hit yeah. level 20. And I was like, oh, man, I might die Yeah, on the way here. <laughs> yeah. And if I die, I'm going to go far back. And I'm going to have to run. Like, this is going to take. It's going to take me, like, 25 minutes to run there. Right. Like, how insane is that? When you think about that in MMOs nowadays, how fast right. and how convenient things were a lot of times. Like, like even WoW back in the day, you still have to run a lot of places, but there was, like, flight paths and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's like. You gotta you mount or whatever like you got to do like a weird bullshit side quest and you got to feed these chocobos things and like I need to find the materials I couldn't find them so I had to buy them off the auction I just had to go all the way back there and then like even that I had to like give them cho- like grass over like ten minutes or whatever finally get them and it's like yeah. you don't get your mount you got a rental like playing this game now compared to when I played it when I was in high school or whatever when I came out right. it's been like super weird to me yeah because of all these new things in the game yes. now like mm. the biggest one is the trusts what we're talking about we're, we're essentially yeah. AI party members now that you can play this game like you can get through this entire game like solo pretty much yeah now. I mean I feel like they they just because it's all that that's an accommodation mm-hmm. they have to make yeah I think um, yeah I totally understand I think it's cool it's just super wild playing this game now yeah, I'm like, definitely. I haven't had a party up with anyone especially back then where like you had to for like Everything. Yeah, one of the biggest revelations to me is so funny. Final Fantasy XI is actually a game where you can down level. Yeah. So where if you die at an opportunity, you'll actually lose a level of experience, which is heartbreaking. And I don't, I like, I remember that happening back in the day, but they've cushioned it a little bit now, where I think you have to hit thirty mm-hmm. before you can down level. Mm. Yeah, it, dude. Okay, so I got a hit thirty on my warrior, and I was like, okay, baby, it's time to lock Paladin now. Yeah. And I'm okay. You think you think about unlocking your jobs now in like modern MMOs? Pretty mm-hmm. chill. Not that big of a deal. No, it's not a bit. It's not chill here at all. It's mm-hmm. a big deal. Like you got to earn this freaking thing. I, I had to do multiple part quests. Had to go to a bunch of the locations. I had to buy some stuff because I couldn't find the mobs to get the items often. So I had to give it to this guy. Then he's like, "Hey man, go to this super far away area you've never been to. Go yeah. to this like well kind of thing. You got to go to this well to like part of your quest." I try to get to it. There's a mob there that one-shots me every time. I can't get it. I cannot do the quest to become a paladin. Yeah. So I was like, I messaged Damian. I'm like, Damian, you got to help me get yes, this thing, yes. man. He's like, okay, dude, I'll help you. So I was like, all right, uh, I'll just get Dark Knight in the meantime or something like that. Sure. Not super easy. Had to go to had to go to Bastok. Never been there. I had to figure out how to get there. I didn't know how the hell to get to this city. So I like spent an hour, I'm not even kidding, over an hour wandering around trying to find this damn city. Yeah. Get there, talk to this guy. He goes away. I had to go to another area. I didn't know where the hell it was. Go in the area. Don't have a map for it. I'm like, oh, shit. I got to find this guy in a multi-layer thing. I spent an hour in there. Then I get to the guy finally. He's like, hey, man, if you want to be a dark knight, you got to kill 100 dudes with this sword. <laughs> I was like, what the hell? <laughs> and, he, and it's like, you can't use trust. Like, you have to get the final blow on these. You can't use yeah. weapon skills to get count as a kill. You just have to just oh, like gosh. auto attack these dudes. So I was auto attacking dudes for like over an hour. Could you not use was it just the final blow that mattered? Yes. Okay. So like I mean, you can't control your AI companions. I yeah. can't tell them to really stop. So I was just out there killing like hornets for like an hour. Oh my god. Just killing a hundred guys and I finally got it and I was like yes it felt so good to get it. Yeah. But god dang was it a pain in the ass. 
Yeah, I mean that's kind of the the blessing of the curse, and and, the, and a curse of these things mm-hmm. is like with old school MMOs, the the feeling that I would always remember and what made it such a magical genre is exactly what you mm-hmm. just did. Is you would talk to your friends and your friend, like each of you would have a unique story, or at least it felt like a mm-hmm. unique story. Yeah. It's like, dude, I can't believe this thing happened to me. It was so crazy. And now I, I feel like with modern MMOs, it's like everybody just kind of experiences the same thing in right. the exact same way. Yep. And there are benefits to that, like really strong mm-hmm. benefits. Oh, yeah. There's a reason they've gone away from that old yeah, style. Yeah. With Final Fantasy XI, like you, you hit a point where it's like, I wish not everything was a pain in the ass because it's like, mm-hmm. like, it's like, okay, I need to do this thing where it's like, okay, I need to figure out how to do every single step. And it's like, you feel like you constantly have to look something up, and it's like it'll interview I've something, had and to it's look like up lots of things. Oh, I, like how do I do that, or what is this thing? It's like, oh, not only do I need to equip this item, I also need to use this item. How do I get the charges? Like it's just like there's just it's just layer on top of mm-hmm. layer on top of layer on top of layer to the point where it's like kind of exhausting. And so I do think the streamlinedness can help because like eleven can kind of feel a little bit like a job, mm-hmm. you know, in, oh, in, yeah. in a lot of different oh, ways. Oh yeah, and so I I don't know it's. It really is, again, just a, a blessing and a curse where, mm-hmm. like, playing Eleven, like, I want to play more of it because I was feeling kind of some of that magic again, but it's, like, I need, if I'm going to play Eleven, I need to, like, carve out an entire yeah, game. Yeah, you need you know? to, I, I've spent too much time playing this game, <laughs> dude. Sure. Like, I've definitely felt that, but it's been, it's been a lot of fun because, like, the world is super enthralling to yep. me. Like, I love that world. I love, the music is so good. Oh, the music is amazing. And, yeah. like, you're in town, you're in Sandoria, and it's, like, yeah, I'm hearing this loop over and over and over again, but it's so good that mm-hmm. I don't even care. Yeah. In the server we play on, there's a lot of people still. Like a lot of people. Shocking. I was number, like yeah. really surprised how yeah. people I'd seen in town. So it's been it's been pretty fun. Yeah. The the thing that I do kind of miss is like in the early days of Final and this is very natural of course, but in the early days of Final Fantasy Eleven, like I remember just everybody needed to group up. Like you yep. just you couldn't get anywhere yep. unless you were in a group. And so like I remember like I was just this little kid, right? And mm-hmm. this game had like an auto translate feature. And I remember like running into these Japanese players and yep. we couldn't speak the same language, but like we, the auto translate would like help us enough to form a group. And I was like, this is so cool. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you know, we're, we're across the world from each other and we're playing. And it was just such a neat feeling. Whereas like now, I feel like the only interaction I'm getting with random people is just like spam messages to like mm-hmm. buy Gil or whatever it is, right. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So that's that's kind of unfortunate, but yeah. So <laughs> I was thinking about like, man, I don't think I could recommend like I always compare this t- inevitably to 14. I'm like right. 11 and 14 side by side, and it's like. 98% of the time, I'd recommend 14 to people over this game. Yeah, for sure. I, I get you. you I, need This is a very specific type of person to right. play this game. Yes, it is a very specific <laughs> type of person. I totally agree. Where, like, I have some nostalgia for Final Fantasy XI yep. and, like, old school MMOs. Yep. Like, that's that kind of stuff is, is kind of what I, I, I grew up with. It's just, like, being a kid and trying to figure it out. And so that feeling really drives me forward. Mm-hmm. I feel like if you don't have that at all... This is it'll yeah. just be a pain yeah, in just the be ass. Like, what is or it this? could be, I don't know. Yeah. You know, everybody has a different experience. But uh the reason that I haven't put more time into Final Fantasy Eleven, and I definitely want to, is like I have made a commitment. For years I've I've wanted to get caught up on Final Fantasy Fourteen 
And I'm like, I'm finally doing it. The, the going has still been slow, mm-hmm. but I've been doing it. Uh, last night, I finished patch 4.1. So you, you have the Stormblood expansion, and then you have patches that like finish up the expansion storyline. Mm-hmm. Then you have patches that kind of lead you into the next expansion. So I need to get, by Friday, and I don't know if it's going to happen, I need to get through <laughs> 4.2 to 4.5. And so I got to put on a oh, lot of work. Oh, right. Um, I know I have a lot more to say, and so we don't need to spend a ton of time on this. Uh, but I wanted to kind of talk about Final Fantasy XI and Final Fantasy XIV back-to-back mm-hmm. because, like, I just specifically want to talk about Patch 4.1, which I feel like is maybe not a big deal in the grand scheme of things, but I think it illustrates a lot of the magic of Final Fantasy XIV. And Final Fantasy XIV has been blowing the fuck up. Like, right. it has had a resurgence of resurgences where a lot of popular streamers are playing it, a lot of new players are coming in. Every time I feel like I log into the game, there's a queue to get in. Mm-hmm. Like, this is really popping off. And it really is a remarkable game, and I'm not even at Shadowbringers yet. And I just going through this patch... Because, like, I thought about it, and I was like, oh, just going through these patches... Because it had been a while, right, since I had done, like, uh, post-Realm Reborn stuff or, or, like, leading up into Heaven's Word or, like, post-Heaven's Word patches. So I didn't really remember, like, what the patch content was like. And I'm like, why is this story so goddamn good? Like, why is this, like, 4.1 patch have a better story just on its own than, like, most games that I play? And the storytelling just gets better and better and better and better. Mm-hmm. And, like... I can't believe I care about a story in an MMO this much. Like, I've played a ton of MMOs. I've gotten into, like, I've gotten into the WoW story. I liked the WoW story. But there was no way that, like, I cared this much. The story is, like, I would argue the main focus of the whole game. Absolutely. And, like, I cannot overstate how good it is. Like, Mm -hmm. if you have fond memories of, of growing up with Final Fantasy and getting attached to characters... And you're like, ah, oh, an MMO, like, I don't know if I have that kind of time, yada, yada. This will, it may take a while, but this will get you to that point where, mm-hmm. like, you are super, super invested. And I will not go into spoilers at all. I would not want to do that to anybody. But in this patch, right, again, this is just a patch to the game. <laughs> <laughs> there is a, an emotional moment between this this great warrior and, like, the person that he serves. And I'm like, this is so well done and so genuinely like heartbreaking and sentimental like i can't believe it like it's so good and they've like the way that they're able to kind of focus on a core group of characters while also going to different places and branching out and establishing new characters they're just they're just incredible like characters mm-hmm. have so much depth they have so much going on you know despite the fact that you are doing a lot of like okay go here talk to this person go here kill right. these things you know, it is still in that MMO structure, but what kind of sandwiches those tasks is so meaningful that, like, you don't even care. And I feel like as I'm going through this game and as I'm progressing, they're getting better with mechanics. They're getting better with, like, making the quests seem unique and distinct. Like, one of the last things I did was this great battle and this giant creature was shooting balls and you had to like run around and you couldn't let the balls touch anybody. And so you had to run around and kind of like bat them away. Mm. And, you know, it doesn't sound that interesting, but when a lot of the times you're kind of doing, you know, basic 14 combat, you're getting things that like mix it up just a little bit and mm-hmm. make it kind of exciting and kind of fresh and kind of unexpected. Or like there's another quest where uh, I had to look through a magnifying glass and like, 
identify the weakness of a monster by pinpointing it. And it, you know, wasn't very complicated or wasn't very um, intense, but like, I can't wait to get to Shadowbringers because I feel like this team, the people behind 14, are just like not resting on their laurels. Like, I'm not going through these patches and saying to myself, like, oh yeah, I've done this before. You know, I've put hundreds upon hundreds of hours in this game already, and I'm like, I'm more into it than I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Like, and that. That is an incredible achievement of how far they're, like, pushing their design and how far they're pushing their storytelling. Yeah. It's, like, it's incredible. And so I still have a long way to go. Um, I actually don't even know how much total time I've put into 14, but I feel like it's been a lot. Yeah. But anyway, the point is, regardless, like, I'm more into this game than I've ever been, and I'm so excited. I'm going to stream... Shadowbringers. Hopefully, I'll be able to get to it by Friday. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> do your best. Do my best. Do my best. But like, it's just, it's just, it feels electric right now. Yeah, it um, is. it's popping off right now. It's, it's honestly a, like electricity that I haven't felt since like the early days of WoW, mm-hmm. which is yeah. really, really cool. Yeah. And it's a very different thing from WoW. And so it's like, and Walker's the end of this current storyline. Yeah. So yeah. everyone's getting caught up. Dude, Endwalker is going to be the video game event of. It's going to be a big event. Yeah, yeah it is. It's That's why I'm glad you and Huber are putting an effort. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting there. I feel. Closer and more productive. Yeah, you're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. Uh, we're also getting to this hotake. Whoa! Um, and this hotake is a tough one for me. Uh, I definitely have a lot of mixed emotions on it. I don't know if you guys will be as into it, but we'll have to see. Uh, Pokemon Unite has come out. Uh, free-to-play MOBA on Nintendo Switch right now. Coming to phones uh, very soon. Actually, not sure when. But uh, this is a game that, like... You say Pokemon MOBA, and I'm just like, I just roll my eyes. I'm like, I don't currently care about MOBAs. I don't care about this. And I was very dismissive about it. And then I played it, and I was like, oh, there's actually a lot here. Like, it's it has more depth. It has more going on uh, to it that I was actually having a ton of fun with it. Um, and, you know, we even streamed it, and I was having a hell of a time. And I know, Brad, you played it, and I know, Blood, you kind of got into it. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like, you know, at least early on, you were having some fun with it as well. Uh, but as we discovered together, uh, you know, we kind of went through the process. This game has very overt pay-to-win issues. Oh, sure, yeah. And so without, like, overcomplicating the explanation, basically, <laughs> your, your Pokemon that you pick that you bring into battle, they can um, hold items that do different things, like raise your attack or your crit chance or that sort of thing. You know, typical things that you would expect. Um and there's this currency that you can use that will buff up those items to make them stronger. And you can pay for that currency with tickets, which you can acquire with real money. And you don't have to do it. You can grind it out and uh, you know, not spend anything and eventually build up these items. But if you spend money, you'll obviously accelerate this process and give yourself an advantage in battle and it's just kind of nasty because this is on top of the fact that you can spend real money if you want to again you don't have to you can (laughs) spend real money to get different outfits for your trainer acquire new pokemon get new outfits for your pokemon accelerate your battle pass buy a premium battle pass yada 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 so like there's there's on top of this like actually affecting gameplay thing there are also all of these other ways Mm -hmm. um, spend money to spend money and so this game that I feel positive on, that I have a lot of good things to say, feels like there's kind of this cloud over it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, 
I guess the central question, the thesis of this hotake is how do you wrestle with those two things? Like how much does this seemingly genuinely gross thing affect how much you should enjoy this this thing mm. that that has good things going on under the hood? How much I, I should be affected about it, I don't know. But I'll tell you, if a game has pay to win, it's multiplayer, I don't care about that game. You just can, you're just, yeah, you're done. I don't care. Done. Like, it's it's hard enough for me to get invested in a multiplayer game as sure. it is. But if it has pay to win mechanics, I'm like, I don't, I don't care. Like, yeah, I don't want right. to put the time to get better at this game if someone could just pay to be better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to see how much that pops up, but... Right. I, you know, it's it's one of those... I mean, we even joked on the stream, right? It's like, it's, you know, that guy pulled out the, the Visa card. You know, right. like... You, Swiping. It, 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 it automatically makes any player that's doing well feel suspicious. Right, and that, that seed of doubt is so powerful because, like, even if you were to, like, analyze it and be very numerical about it and it doesn't... Like, the numbers say, like, oh, it's not that big of an advantage mm-hmm. in your mind. Right. Like, that's enough. Like, the perception of it is harmful enough. Yeah. Yeah. To me, it's, like, something, like, they don't take their competitive nature seriously mm-hmm. as a developer if they do something like that. Yeah, which is a, which is a huge so, bummer because there is a ranked mode. Yeah, and, like, it gives I was having me fun the idea of, up. like, why should does I take this? mode, like, disable some of no, that stuff? No. no? How no. is it ranked? How could you be in a ranked... I don't understand. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You have to be on a level playing field or there's no point. Do, who's the developer of this? Do you know? Tencent. Okay, it makes sense, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, or it's like a branch of Tencent or a company yeah, owned by someone Tencent. involved, right. but like pay to win is much right. more common in like China and stuff like that in games. Yeah. So I guess it's not surprising. I think it's a bummer. Like, it's a Pokemon MOBA, so I did personally didn't expect... like I don't care at all, but yeah. I feel bad for like you who like generally yeah. enjoys the gameplay yes but you do have this like feeling in the back of your head of always just something something's off about this and it's bothering you and it will continue to bother you yeah because i think obviously free to play and, and heavy microtransactions has been mm-hmm. a super common thing especially right. on mobile for a very long yeah. time but i think the thing that kind of makes it easier in honestly like 90 percent of cases is I'll play a mobile game, it'll be rife with microtransactions, and I'll be like, okay, I'm done with this. Because the game's, like, not good anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just right. a... It's really just, like, a, a psychological manipulation. Like, it's not even an, an interesting game or an entertaining game, or the gameplay has is nothing to it, where it's very easy to drop. Whereas Pokemon Unite is kind of one of these rare examples where it's like, no, I actually really... A, I really enjoy playing this a lot. I think it's mechanically interesting. I really like the speed of the matches. Uh, there's so much in its design that I appreciate, and I love Pokemon and think mm-hmm. the Pokemon representation here is strong. That it's it's a more complicated thing uh, to wrestle with. I just think about like League of Legends. Like, what if you could buy just items with real money for League? Like, it would break yeah. the game. That's the thing, right? Like, that's the thing I think that makes it so painful is Pokemon is a strong enough IP that. You don't need to do this. Like, you could just right. sell cosmetic stuff mm-hmm. and... Make a you fortune. Do, yeah. And I think that's actually a like good they, point. They could still up. make a fortune just off introducing new Pokemon yeah. and charging you like a lot of yeah. other MOBAs do. Right. And I think that's actually something that I, I hadn't connected the dots to, but, you, like, there are there's, like, a summer event going on, so some of the Pokemon will have summer outfits. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, this is really cute and fun. Yeah. You know, I want to put... 
this Pokemon and this, you know, swimmer attire. There are a lot of Pokemon, I feel like, that don't have any outfits at all. And it's like... Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Why, right. Why not? Why not go harder on that stuff and let people spend money on, on cosmetic stuff for Pokemon that they either care about emotionally mm-hmm. or they just like how they play than do this system right. where it's like you're paying for power. Well, and you look at something like... Uh... Like Fall Guys, I think has done a great job yeah. balancing, you know, that kind of, you know, the the drip of things that you can get through, you know, currency that you earn, but mm-hmm. then you, you know, if you, well, if you want to pay for some of the stuff, then you know, go go right ahead. Right. Um, but you know, there's not a you, you you can't buy a you know a good physics character, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You can't you can't buy somebody who doesn't trip when he jumps. You know? <laughs> yeah. So it's just so it's so strange to me because, yeah, there's still ways that you could, you know, like sort of how he did on the stream. You, you could organize games to play with your friends, right. and everyone can be above board, you know, and you trust each other, and you can have a lot of fun with this game. But you know, ninety percent of the time, you're probably going to be going out there random matchmaking with at least another team. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's going to feel. Yeah, the, like you said, there's just always going to be that sense uh, of doubt that somebody's, you know, pumping things up just because they right. can. They're definitely going for a different audience with this game, though. Yeah. Then when I think of most MOBA players play like League or Dota 2 or oh, something like that, like yeah. those people probably aren't going to play this game at all, you know? Like they're just kind of getting more casual Pokemon fans, I would say. Like, yeah. Maybe this is their first MOBA or something. Oh, they're for going sure. after the. The mobile, yeah. the mo, or sorry, the mobile market with this game, it feels like the most. Like I'm surprised it's not out on mobile yet. Yeah, um, I think the thing that is most insidious, though, is the fact that this kind of monetization is not immediately obvious. Mm-hmm. So, like, you don't mm-hmm. even get right. the items that you can power up. Like, you have to. The way the whole treadmill works is, is you have to level up a significant amount, and then. Like, new mechanics and things are slowly drip-fed to you. And so by the time you realize that you can spend money on this stuff, you're already invested. And I think that's what makes it especially heartbreaking. You know, it's it's gross just on its face, but I think I would have, like, a little bit more sympathy if you, like, booted up the game and it was like, here's what we are, right. man. Here's what's going on. But that doesn't really happen because it's effective to get people already into what you're doing. Um and it's it's hard because there are other examples of games that are doing it right, like you mentioned Fall Guys. But I think the thing that that as, as somebody who commentates on this stuff, right, how where where to draw the line? Because it's like I do genuinely enjoy this game, and I know a lot of other people would enjoy it, but I also don't want to promote something that's going to cause people to like, you know. Spend outside of the means. I think you're doing the right thing. You're just being transparent about it. Right. I think everyone has the capability to come up or decide for themselves, but you're just presenting what it actually is, and they can go from there. It's funny to me because the, you know, the, I I don't know if it's just a generational thing or if it's because I don't typically have a lot of extra income to work with or what, but it's like. The free to play trap just doesn't work on me. It's like, sure, yeah. It's like if I if it's a free to play game, then I play the free parts and whatever yeah. else you yeah. want me to spend money on. I'm I'm just I'm never breaking out. We of are different. It's We're from a different era, so it's, that's it's why it's just probably. not happening. So yeah, no, it has definitely worked on me. Um, but 
like I think about the last sort of obsession that I had, and this isn't a free-to-play game, but it still applies, was Dead by Daylight, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where I ended up spending money on Dead by Daylight, but I only did it because I was like, I love this game. Like, right. I think this is such a good game. I think it's so much fun that I'm just buying, you know, characters mm-hmm. and... Yeah, and, yeah, and I think that I buying a character is probably the most justifiable thing that you could do, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I think I've even, you know, bought some Dead sure. by Daylight characters for yeah. times that we've played, you know, just because, oh, that's a cool guy, yeah. I'll, I'll buy him. I bought know? some Hero Storm characters. Because you're, you're oh, getting yeah. a set of mechanics, you mm-hmm. know, you're getting something to mess around with and to play around with. Uh, and sometimes those things, they, you know, they feel like they just match up with what you want to mm-hmm. do. I just have to wonder, though, like, because the... The counterexample that I immediately think of is both digital digital and physical uh, trading cards, right? So I think of, like, Magic the Gathering or Pokemon cards or whatever. And, like, anytime you discuss those types of things, they're not controversial at all. Like, no one – I mean, it's hard to speak in absolutes. But for the most part, I feel like those concepts are generally accepted. And it's kind mm-hmm. of the same thing. Like, even – uh, you know, I think back to my Hearthstone days, and it's like, yeah, you could you can just pay for the best deck, like you can right. just do that. Uh, but but because it's so ingrained, I think in that genre, I I don't think it gets the same sort of um, mainstream Slack. news public attention that kind of Pokemon United is getting on like yeah your Kotaku's your IGN's because it's like a card game. It's like well, yeah, it's a card game. Exactly. Of course, you right. can buy it. Yeah. And so I have to wonder if. We're gonna get to a point. We're gonna get to a point where it's like no one cares anymore, and it, like it just becomes an accepted. Practice. I think if more mobas go in that direction, mm-hmm. then maybe. But for now, it's not like that for all of them, especially the biggest ones. You know, right? That's not present in those. But even what we're saying about you know about ranked, like that's the kind of thing. Like there should be some mode where it's like no. We're turning that crap off. Like this is the level playing field. Yeah. If you want to be more serious well, about this game, this is the way that. The re- the reason why you can't just I feel like turn it off in the same way is you could get this you could get the same level of power it's just it would take you longer mm-hmm. and so that's the thing is it's right. not like it's not like you can turn because then you're like you're you're the punishment is weird because a lot of like what you're getting from quests and stuff is the your reward is getting the items that you need to power up those items and so if it's like oh if we turn it off for ranked then there's less incentive to go out there and do the challenges and play the game and so it becomes kind of messy right uh, yeah I but i mean that's that's even yeah even about beyond you know the microtransactions themselves like it is messy like yeah. there's, there's what six seven different currencies in that game right right we're like just trying to understand it or explain it to somebody is a problem right but yeah. i but i think you know, honestly, that's part of the strategy as well is, like, the harder it is for you to articulate what exactly the problem is, the harder it is to, like, really make your criticism clear and direct. Mm-hmm. And that definitely works to their advantage And they well. know the kind of people that would spend money on these things would go out of the way and figure it out. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's just because it's, like, competitive, too. Mm-hmm. I just, like makes it so much less appealing. I mean, if there's so many games I love out there that you can pay money for stuff. Like, I don't really personally do this, but in MOs, you know, you can buy boost characters yep. or whatever. Yeah. Or like Final Fantasy 14, you could skip up to expansions. Yeah. Like, well, you could do that, which yeah. is fine. Like, I don't really like to do it that much, but I understand why people do. Right. But it's like, you're not competing against someone. It's just, you're playing 
by yourself usually, you know? Yeah. Well, there's there's a lot of ongoing debate about this right now in the WoW community, but like MMOs kind of the, the satisfaction is the progression. Mm-hmm. And so like right. if you're somebody that put in the time to do all of that and then you're talking to your friend and they're just like, oh, you know, I just bought it. It's like it cheapens your experience, right? Where right. it's like, oh, well, like I, it's less satisfying to me because – like, at MMOs, like, one of the coolest things or or the things that I always think of is, like, going into Ogremar and it's like, whoa, how did, he, how did the dude get mm-hmm. that thing? Yeah, or like, it's an achievement. Oh, they killed, you know, Anixia and the head is out there. And it's just like, it's like, it gives you something to chase after. And yep. you can just buy Which your Which is way super there. important for an MMO. Right. For a game all about character progression. Yeah, it's kind of a mess. And I, I think maybe, like, the final thing to leave this on is, like... I know just based on kind of how explosive it has been on Twitch and the fact that it's Pokemon, I know Pokemon Unite, like I feel in my gut that it's doing mm-hmm. super, super well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I imagine... I've seen a lot of people that had the same experience as you. Yeah. They went into it, just going to mess around with this stupid Pokemon game, and then they're hooked a week later. Yes. So. Yeah. A lot of people that's... are getting hooked. And I imagine a press release, you know, sometime in the near future that's like, Pokemon Unite, you know, making oodles of money. I think it hurts you too, yeah, because it's just a game you actually like and enjoy. If it wasn't that great, you'd be like, whatever. If I could just write it off, we wouldn't even talk about it. Yeah. It's just, it's like, I know it will do really well Mm -hmm. and it'll be super successful. It's just, it kills me because you think what could have been. Yeah, there's potential. There's the, the, the potential, yes, yes. All right, are we ready for some emails. Mm-hmm. All right. Our first email uh, comes in from, sorry if I mispronounced this, Aditya. Who writes, uh, how much does the presentation of a boss factor into your enjoyment of a fight? Howdy, Ben and Allies. This is my first ever email or submission of any sort. Longtime fan, though. Completely inspired by a recent comment Ben made on both Frame Trap and a monthly Q&A about how Nier was one of his favorite games of all time. His genuine passion compelled me enough to buy and play through the entirety of the Replicant remake, which has since then become my favorite game of all time for two major reasons. The narrative slash characters slash themes and the soundtrack. Yes. Uh, here, I primarily wanted to talk about the final boss in a completely vague, non-spoilery manner to describe my question. The Shadow Lord is easily my favorite boss fight of all time. Does it have the most intricate or challenging mechanics? No, most definitely not. The best adjective I can use to describe the fight positively from a gameplay perspective is that it's frantic, a real adrenaline inducer, but the fight makes up for that deficit tremendously in other ways, the cinematography. Uh, camera positioning, story buildup, emotional weight, payoff, artistic design, and most importantly, the fucking music. Shadow Lord is just the absolute best track ever. So, allies, how much do secondary details pertaining to a boss matter to you? Can a mechanically average boss fight utilize other factors to ultimately provide an unforgettable experience? I mean, yeah. the Certain other aspects besides outside of gameplay can totally affect the outlook of a boss. Like, think about Think about Sephiroth and the end of Final Fantasy VII, the original, the music that kicks in right at the end. Like, people remember that, and they will always remember that moment. Mm -hmm. And it's not, like, the most crazy mechanical boss out there or anything like that, but it's the presentation of where you're at, what's going on in this soundtrack going. So, yeah, I'd say so. Like, even games with really great combat, I think of Bloodborne. I thought of Ludwig immediately from the Bloodborne DLC. Yeah. Where he like does that speech about the Moonlight Greatsword and that whole thing and the music kicks in. That makes it one of the most memorable bosses for me out of all the games they've made, period. 
definitely. Yeah. Oh, I mean, like, think of Final Fantasy VI and something like Atma Weapon that had just so much crazy detail Oops. on it. Um, or Ultra Suit. You know, this mm-hmm. is like brimming with personality. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't forget yeah. that. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Thinker. Um, and so, yeah, they can definitely be there. I, I think they still need to have some kind of, you know, decent mechanics. Otherwise, you know, it, it kind of squanders all that. You know, you can have something that looks really cool and it just, you know, if it just, it's a, a pushover, then it's not going to really yeah. be that memorable. Yeah. Because um, that's actually kind of a funny thing is like a lot of times the most memorable boss fights, the ones that beat the crap out of you. <laughs> you right. Know, it's memorable because you had to fight it four or five times to finally make your way through and, and figure that all out. Um, but yeah, the intimidation factor is such a, a big part of that. Yeah, it's funny because with this email, I totally get uh, what this question asker is, is saying, and I do think there's a, a good point to it. But I think when I run into situations like that where maybe the fight itself isn't that memorable, but the story around it or the presentation or the character is memorable, the way I describe it to people is I don't even subconsciously think of it as a boss fight. I'll mm-hmm. be like, oh, this moment was really cool, or this character was really cool, or this story was really cool. But I feel like when I think of best boss fights, it's exactly what you're saying. It's a combination of the two. It's mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, you mentioned Ludwig. Like, the presentation is incredible, but that fight is also just, like, mm-hmm. brutal. Uh, or at least it was brutal for me. Or I think of um, the, the the Virgil fight in Devil May Cry 3 at the end, right, where it's just, narratively, it's so incredible, and the presentation is off the charts, but it's also, like, oh, this is a summation of everything I've learned up until this point. And it's just, that is what, as a boss fight, mm-hmm. makes it so goddamn incredible. And so, yeah. Think of uh, the last fight in Sekiro. Like, what yeah. a damn yes. good final fight. Yeah. Yes. Good Lord. Yeah, and so I think it can, you know, it can definitely work the the other way too, right? To where, like, something can be really hard, but if it's not very interesting. <laughs> right, yeah. Right. It was just like, you don't, you don't walk away. He's like, oh, that was a great boss fight. He's like, oh, I'm glad that's yeah. over. Bed of Chaos. Another <laughs> yeah. perfect example of yes. a terrible boss fight in an yes. excellent series. Yes. All right. Uh, our second email comes in from Brandon, uh, who writes, Hello, everybody. As I write this email, it's been a couple of hours since the report's coming out of Horizon Forbidden West being pushed to quarter one, 2022. And while delays are always a net positive... I wouldn't say always, right. but I see what you're saying. This year has been given has given us delays into or official release date announcements of so many massive games in 2022. Here are just some of them that either official media that have either official media or comment with a 2022 release. So a lot of delays happening into 2022. Mm-hmm. I feel like I flubbed up the reading there, but that's the general point. <laughs> so here's a list of things that have been pushed to 2022. The aforementioned Horizon, the next God of War. Elden Ring, the Breath of the Wild sequel, Pokemon Legends, uh, Arceus, Starfield, Redfall, A Plague Tale Requiem, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, Gran Turismo 7, Ghostwire Tokyo, Gotham Knights, Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, Stray, and Sifu. I know Arceus is always one that I forget the pronunciation of because it's a weird pronunciation. I've looked it up, but I've forgotten it. Anyway... 
Um, and let's not forget games that could possibly, but have yet to confirm to, come out within 2022. Final Fantasy 16, Hollow Knight Silk Song, Cuphead, The Delicious Last Course, <laughs> Senwa's Saga, Hellblade 2, State of Decay 3, Quantum Error, Lego Star Wars, The Skywalker Saga. There are even super long shots with no date or even gameplay that are known to be in development. Fable, Perfect Dark, Avowed, The Outer Wilds 2, Metroid Prime 4, and even Bayonetta 3. Now, that's a lot of games. If even half of what I've listed in this whole email actually comes out in 2022, the year has a lot of potential. Mm -hmm. What do you think? As 2021 is just past halfway done, and there have been a handful of solid games, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Resident Evil Village, Returnal, It Takes Two, Hitman 3, and this fall has several noteworthy to come, Psychonauts 2, 12 Minutes, Metroid Dread, Forza Horizon 5, Death Boot, Back for Blood, Kenna, Bridge of Spirits. The year hasn't felt as packed like last year, whereas I feel 2022 could possibly be in the conversation of the best years for games when all is said and done. Do you even think many game, many of the games I've brought up today will come out next year? Thanks for taking this excessively long email if you do, and as always, stay easy, fellow allies. I definitely think there's some of those games getting pushed. Uh, so which, when you say... Getting pushed, which, what first comes to mind? Uh, or not even necessarily getting pushed, but like that doesn't even strike me as being a 2022 game. Like mm -hmm. Fable and Perfect Dark? Yeah. yeah. So far away. Yeah. yeah. I really would be surprised if those games come out next year. Um, so there's definitely that. And I also think that there's this is kind of the, the precedent that typically the first year after a console launch is like the deadest, driest yeah. year. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, you know, the delays that we've seen from, from COVID and from people trying to figure out how to work from home and all that. Right. Just, just yep. add to that. Added, yeah. 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 It, I think in any normal circumstance, there are a lot of games that are listed where it's like, I could see that getting delayed. I could see, see that getting delayed in the best of circumstances. But I think just the impact of COVID is so unknown that it makes it, harder than ever to predict when mm -hmm. these things are actually going to come out from our perspective and of course you know from a publisher developer perspective as well yeah totally yeah toward you 2022 is looking pretty stacked right now yeah and hopefully it stays stacked yeah hey um, i'm down yeah uh, because the actual Forza Motorsport as well. <laughs> like, right. when the heck is yeah. that thing coming out now that the last game in the series is getting delisted <laughs> nonsense <laughs> You were saying it, but yeah, car licensing is just a nightmare. But it's but that's the thing is it's I think they're still selling Gran Turismo six or something. Like mm. it it's it's how they've structured those deals yeah. around what they thought their development cycle was gonna be and now like, oh, we're taking longer this time, so whoops. Sorry, you can't buy a Forza game. <laughs> it's crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. And we got a question on the Q&A where somebody was like, you know, the, the new consoles just don't feel like as impactful as it has in the past. And we all kind of agreed where it's like, it's too soon, but I'm waiting for that moment. I'm waiting for like that Bloodborne Witcher 3 mm -hmm. moment where it's like, oh my God, you know, these are some of the best games in, in recent memory. Yeah. I, I know it will come yep. and that moment will be magical all over again. Yep. I, I rarely feel like it happens in the first year a lot of times. Oh yeah, absolutely. Rarely, but yep. it does. Like but Super Mario 64. As we're recording yeah. this, I, Odyssey. Yeah. I still don't think that Horizon thing has been made official. It has not been made official yeah. yet, still. So, don't know. we'll see, I guess. 
our last email. Oh, Ben, oh, um, Elden Ring will make you feel that way again. Don't worry. When you play, mm -hmm. you're like, it doesn't even matter if it's on current gen or last gen. All the time. It's still going to be the best. All the time I see people say Sekiro is not that good or it's like from Software's game. And I'm like, you, I respect your opinion, but I don't understand. From Software's right. game, dude? You should dive a little deeper in that catalog. <laughs> Sekiro is amazing. Yes, it it's is. It's amazing. Uh, Max writes, hey allies, recently I've been casually writing down my thoughts on video games as I finish them, and it occurred to me that it is often easy to compare current games to other games that came before. Mm -hmm. For example, Hollow Knight can be compared to Castlevania slash Metroid slash Dark Souls. However, if the reader or of the review has never played those previous games, these comparisons will mean very little. In your opinion, should a reviewer try to review a game as if in a vacuum or to comparisons to other games strengthen the review as a whole? On the other hand, is a reviewer required to be familiar with older games in order to review newer games? Hmm. Be familiar with older games to review newer games? I don't really know about that. I don't think so. No, I mean, if you were the only reviewer that existed, yeah. maybe the, maybe the, your qualifications it would be more of a conversation. But mm -hmm. I think part of the joy of reviews of anything, and this happens all the time, is... Like, let's say you get a sequel to a long-running franchise. You'll get a review from somebody that's brand new. You'll get a review from somebody yeah. that's a veteran. So, you know, it's a variety of opinions. I think that has good. value, yeah. yeah, yeah. Having, it like, does. especially as long as it's, like, I think it's important to be maybe make that known, I guess, or mm -hmm. it could be helpful to some people. Yeah. But I would love to hear the opinion of someone who's, like, never played a game in a series before and just how they approach it. Yeah, and sometimes with spoiler modes we'll have that. Where yeah. it's like, oh, we want to especially do a spoiler mode with people that mm -hmm. are new or, yeah. or whatever. Right. Um, and like everyone's gonna have some kind of holes anyway. Oh yeah, you know, it, yeah, of it's course. Like one of those We're all Swiss cheese, man. If there's a yeah, if something comes out and like you've not played anything else before, it's like if you're interested in it and you you know you think you can talk about it, then it, you know you don't have to worry about trying to catch up on yeah every single thing in that series. You know there there might be some exceptions, but still like you're you know, that, that perspective is totally valid. And yeah. it's going to be, you know, it's just going to be more and more prevalent as time goes on. You know, mm -hmm. it's more, you know, writers and critics, you know, essentially age out of the industry. You right, know? right. Like, it's, it's, it's newer people that are coming in. Right. And their first system was a PS2. You know, their first system was a PS3. Yep. Yep. And so, the, yeah, they didn't play some of these older games because they just weren't available to them. Yep. Uh, as far as comparisons go, I thought there was a really interesting question to bring up, and I see where this person is coming from, and I definitely do think you can overdo it. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't think it happens maybe as much anymore, but it definitely used to be a bigger problem back in the day where people would let the comparisons do all the work, so yeah. their, mm -hmm. their commentary would begin and end at like, oh, it's like X, and it's like, that's not enough. But comparisons are extremely helpful if that's not the only thing that you're doing, mm -hmm. because even if the reader isn't familiar with the comparison, if you're a good enough writer, it's like when you learn to read, right, they tell you that, like, if you don't know a word, you pay attention to the context that that word is presented in. It's the same thing with comparisons, where if you're a good enough writer, the context of your comparison will be strong enough that even if the person doesn't have experience or knowledge of the thing that you're comparing it to, it will be contextualized enough that they'll still be able to pull away something from your mm -hmm. 
description. Yeah. Um, and so you can definitely overdo it. You can definitely uh, have it do too much work. But yeah, if you like, over, you could easily overexplain something. Right. Where mm-hmm. it's just like you don't need this at all. Because because a common thing that people will do is that people will be like, it's a combination of these ten things, and it's like, well, that's so many things. Mm-hmm. That, like, right. You know, I'm, I'm exaggerating here, but sometimes I think you can do so many comparisons that it kind of gets lost. Right, right. Yeah. Like, you can you can compare it to something. So, like, I might have done this when I did Jedi Fallen Order. I might have... I think I talked about, like, there's kind of Metroidvania aspects in the game, yeah. but yeah. I said in the terms of maybe revisiting areas with upgrades right. to unlock new stuff. And, like, I think that's enough to get the point across. Right. But you give them a clear picture without over-explaining it. Um, and I think the other thing that you learn and this is not like a foolproof fallacy or a no, foolproof fallacy a foolproof plan is uh you get to know kind of where your audience is yes. and what their experience is and where they're coming from and you know again not absolutely true but people that are watching frame trap or are watching easy allies reviews are generally well-versed gamers. well-educated yeah. viewers and mm-hmm. so you use that knowledge to inform your writing and again it's not strictly true but I would say the, the the majority of people that are watching us are really into games, mm-hmm. um, are are on the, the hardcore side of things. And so I think it makes it easier to do those comparisons. If I was writing for like, I don't know, USA Today or something, maybe the way that I write would Change. have to reflect that. Right. You know? And that's Definitely. something you work with your editors on. Yeah. And, you know. And the the point being that if you're bringing up something for comparison, it's generally something that people are going to be familiar with, right? Mm-hmm. People are going to already know really well, right? You know, and so that's why you know that's why you kind of get the, you know, the people tired of things getting compared to the Dark, Dark Souls. Souls, yeah. But it's just you when, know, when it's so like, many developers are doing these things yeah, that are right. like obviously inspired by Dark Souls, it kind of yeah. almost makes it unavoidable. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like and there's so many things. <laughs> like d- when you say Dark Souls, that can mean so many different things. Right. Mm-hmm. But they could all, they're often just talking about like one thing about mm-hmm. the whole right. design. And, and that's that's the thing, right? If, if all you're talking about is difficulty, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, oh, F1 is or, the Dark Souls of racing. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. stop. You just, die and get your You your don't need to do souls that. Back. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, you don't need to but do that. But if you're talking about something mechanically or in talk, makes more in sense. world and design, that there's definitely a And people a use yeah. Dark Souls a lot because a lot of people have an idea of what that means when they say it. Right. So that's something that I wanted to say is sometimes you also have to be aware of how well known is the comparison or yep. the term that you're using. Because I bet you there are tons and tons of people that know exactly what you mean when you say Metroidvania that have never played either Metroid or right. Castlevania. Right, right. right? Yep. But, but that term has just become so ubiquitous that like you become aware of how often people are saying mm-hmm. that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing um, in terms of making comparisons that people get can get trapped in, uh, and I can't think of a recent example, but I've definitely had times where I've read reviews where they're so fixated on a comparison mm-hmm. that it's like, this isn't a review anymore. You're just comparing these things. Sure. <laughs> like, unlike this game that does that, and then you just keep bringing up the other game over and over, and it's like, you don't, why do I care about that game at this point? Just right. talk about the game we're talking about. Right. Yeah, don't overdo it. Uh, but that is going to do it for Frame Trap. Thank you so much to my guest, Daniel Bloodworth, 
and Bradley Ellis. Uh, if you want to write into the show, the address is askeasyallies at gmail.com. One more time, that address is askeasyallies at gmail.com. And, uh, hey, if you enjoy the show, hopefully you do. Hopefully you've listened to a lot of Frame Trap. Uh, consider supporting us on patreon.com slash easyallies. Uh, even a dollar goes a really long way and us continuing to do this and, and be excited and be passionate about games uh, and get our thoughts out there, which is just the best thing. Um, so consider doing that if you're not already. Um, thank you so much for watching. Until next time. <laughs>